Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park That was the original title for uh, Taylor Swift's most recent song. It was "You're My 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 Scrubber." <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Behind the Sins, presented by CinemaSins. Welcome to Behind the Sins, a weekly look at everything going on inside the world of CinemaSins. I'm Aaron Dyson, and I'm joined as always by Jonathan Watkins. Hello, hello. We write for CinemaSins and TV Sins and do various other things inside the CinemaSins universe as well. And this week, with Danae out, we're joined by the man, the myth, the legend of the fall. It's A-lister Barrett Cher. Round of applause. Welcome, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, this is going to be fun. How you been doing? Very good. I'm, I'm working on... A sin script of a truly, 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 truly awful movie. Right. Oh, now. nice. Very yes. good. That's always fun. Truly. Uh, truly. Is it the one I'm doing with no, you? No, it's a different truly awful. Oh, because that one's not good either. <laughs> uh, we Just answered this up. question in one of the first episodes, uh, and uh, I'd love to hear your answer, Barrett. Which do you prefer, working on the truly terrible or working on the ones movies you love? Uh, probably the movies that I love. Me too. Like, uh, yeah, like uh, when we did uh, A Few Good Men, we do things like A Few Good Men or Eight Mile or like, um, which you can only Con get on Air. Patreon. Uh, <laughs> or, like, or like Pulp Fiction or something like that. You know, we joke, Chris and I joke, and, and Jeremy, that we don't even have to watch the movie. Like, besides the time points, like we know the movies backwards and forwards so well that we can say like, yes, that's something that's always bothered me. Yes, this is going to be a funny joke, that kind of thing. And it's just a pleasure to kind of like anticipate that those moments and stuff like that. But then when you, when you have a movie that you, you hate, sometimes the anger that comes out of that, like is much more humorous Mm -hmm. uh, and less familiar. So I, you know, I I prefer the ones that I love, but, uh, but I dig on the, uh, the awful ones. Yeah. No, I, I'm 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 with you on that. I think that that's a great explanation of it. Uh, as mentioned, Danae is not here. She's off vacationing. Uh, it's interesting. She actually sent in some thoughts of on uh, Son, Sons of Anarchy. So I'll probably include that at the oh, cool. end uh, in the outtakes. Um, and then actually, we also recorded a little mini review of it since we're not talking about it in the episode uh, <laughs> chapter two. So that'll be at the end. So if this episode's like five hours long, uh, you'll know why because uh, there's a bunch of stuff uh, in the outtakes at the end. Uh, that you can That'd check out. That'd be really out. funny, though, if we get to be on the sense, and I'm like, I'm going to talk about It Chapter 2. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Jonathan, I ask you specifically. Uh, no, 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 I have something else. All right, um, so before we get into the uh, the meat of the podcast, uh, a new video dropped on the main channel, uh, promo for Sin Week, 
Sin Week 2020 yeah. is going to be happening March 12th through 14th. Uh, in Nashville, uh, I thought it was funny because at the end of the the promo video, it says, you know, the date and it says Nashville, Tennessee. And then in the comments, somebody put uh, as opposed to Nashville, Arkansas. Ding. Oh, <laughs> nice. nice. There is a Nashville, Indiana. So, you know, yeah, there is. <laughs> uh, I've been to Nashville, Indiana. Yeah, as, as if I it's a nice it's a nice little bed and breakfast community there in mm-hmm. uh, Nashville, Indiana. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyhow, uh, I was excited to see that pop up. It's a beautiful video. Uh, it shows a lot of the fun we had last year uh, with the different things that we did. And so we wanted to let people know about that. And also, we're at the halfway point, right? We're six months from uh, our very first in week, and it's six months until the next one. And uh, and we've got uh, 50 slots, and I think 22 of them are taken, so almost half of them. Uh, already gone. So um, if you want involved, check out the membership information at Patreon. Uh, all of it's there. It's patreon.com slash cinemasins. And you can figure out uh, if you want to come join us for a few days uh, in Nashville. Dude, I was not ready for how much fun I had at the last Sin Week. Because we, we figured out how to do it upright and everything. Aaron, mm-hmm. in particular, really went over, over and above with the planning. But man... I dug every single second of that thing, and I'm super excited about the next one. Yeah, it's going to be a blast. We're going to have a good time. Uh, that so- was still the uh, the discussion of us that we did the next day. That's still my, I think, my all time favorite discussion of a movie ever. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. It was just like thirty people talking about a movie for two hours. It was amazing. Isn't that a blast? Uh, I think yeah. it looks like the movie we'll be doing that with this year is uh, uh, Godzilla versus Kong. So uh, yeah. that, that could be same a lot amount of, fun. of nuance and, and allegory versus <laughs> yeah, whatever it is. You know? I mean, I hear a lot of people was? saying it's basically us too. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if it was? Wouldn't it be great if the, if somehow they they figured it out and they they did a spectacular, metaphorical, brilliant movie with that? That would be that'd be yeah, wonderful. I mean, I mean, you can make a good Godzilla movie. Of course, you can. Happened. Of course, you can. Uh, just not sure that that will be the one, but we'll see. No, we'll see. Uh, anyways, yeah, uh, if you are interested in joining us, we did. We had a blast. It's a lot of fun. You can uh, you can check out the details uh, again at patreon.com slash cinemasins, and we cannot uh, wait. It's going to be a good time. Uh, all right, let's get, let's get into it, guys. Uh, we'll kick it off with the Sinside Scoop. What's he building in there? I've got a secret. I've got a secret. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. This is a true story. So we're going to take a look at the uh, actual videos from the week, uh, the process of sending them, our personal feelings on the show or movie in general or music video. Uh, And I think we're going to rearrange kind of the order we do this in. Usually we've just gone chronologically through the week. I think with now, uh, starting with uh, September, TV Sins is doing two videos a week. Uh, What we'll do is we'll instead just kind of go in a um, a more logical order just by channel. Uh, and so we'll start with I mean, this week will be even a little different because the the two parter of it we probably want to talk mm-hmm. about that together. Uh, but yeah. in general, we'll go TV sins, music video sins, and then cinema sins, and that's kind of the order we'll go in. Uh, so let's start. No, with- we should do. Hang on, we should do TV sins. Then we should do it part two. Then we should do <laughs> it part one, and that will really bake some noodles out there. Yes, yes, that'll be that'll be uh, a, a little less confusing than it chapter two of the movie. Uh, all right, let's go with uh, Sons of Anarchy. We'll start it off with TV sins. Uh, this was a Dicer Hughes Watkins joint. Um, I got to say, this pilot did not interest me at all. I was not excited to see any further episodes. There are some. Really? 
Yeah, there are some good performances in it. I thought particularly Ron Perlman was, you know, fine and Charlie Hunnam's fine. Uh, and Katie Seagal is probably the standout for me. I think she's great in this pilot. Uh, but I've gotten tired of anti-hero shows in general just because there's so many of them. And I realized this one came out before I was probably tired of them. If I'd watched it from the beginning, maybe I'd have been into it. Um, but this also didn't really have, I mean, the pilot at least didn't really show as much of the hero part of the anti-hero. So, so is this the first time you had watched it? Oh yeah. Yeah. This was my first experience. Did you watch this show, Barrett, at all? No, this was the first time I've seen it. Um, okay. Two. Yeah, and I was actually, I had the exact opposite response because I was not looking forward to it. It looked gritty and grungy, yeah, and it looked like just kind of gross on the top of it, and it's not something that I'm really interested in. I'm not really a big motorcycle guy. Uh, I was intrigued. This is a very almost Shakespearean type of uh, mythology or world that they're setting up, and I was intrigued. Probably not enough to where I'm going to like dive right into the series, but like if, it, if I were forced to watch it, I think I would enjoy it. I watched like the first, I think, six or seven episodes when it premiered, and um, I just got tired of it. I, I just didn't really care for any of the characters. Um, I liked the acting. I just had a hard time giving a shit about what happened to anybody, which maybe that's the point. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I think I liked it better than you, Aaron, but I know what you're saying. Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong. This isn't this isn't a uh, like a hatred of this show, or this isn't me saying it's even yeah. an awful show. This is me saying I just have zero interest in watching more of it, and that's different. Like it's just a disinterest from me. I'm just it's not something with all the the time you know that I'm trying to navigate the all the different TV shows that are supposedly amazing that I'm supposed to watch. Like mm -hmm. I'm just I'm not going to give time to this one. It's just not not interesting enough. Well, and this is one more than most where I have found I, – I know quite a few people that are fans of this show, and, you know, obviously it's already ended. And um, this is one where it seems like very all over the map with um, people's opinions of, you know, the entire arc of the series. Usually you kind of get a, a you know, kind of a – I guess a higher percentage of people one way or the other, but this one feels very like 50-50, like – some people loved it. Some people thought it was okay. Some people thought it didn't, end, you know. Well, we kind of we kind of made reference to it going off the rails a little bit uh, mm -hmm. because I, I did a little bit of research on the Tara character and her death scene. Apparently, is one of the most controversial scenes of the show. Yeah, and uh, and I know there were even some comments like love the future death shade of Tara and, and that kind of stuff. But um, uh, like I read the description of how Tara dies and I thought for sure they were pulling my leg. There was actually possible. there was literally I commented on this like, holy shit, did that actually happen? Because there's no way that that would have happened. But if it didn't happen that way, you wouldn't have put that in there. So it definitely happened. It definitely happened. I saw like I saw that scene. I, I researched and watched that scene to make sure that sin was correct uh and yes there so was it that insane like it's even, crazy like, when you watched it because i mean out of context you know things can appear a little crazier she's, than they actually are she's washing tara's washing dishes and katie seagal's character drowns her in the dish water of the sink while stabbing her in the back of the head multiple probably seven eight nine times with a wow. barbecue fork <laughs> It's really interesting. I, I got to give it up to I may watch the series now just because yeah. that's so insane that I, I respect that writer's room. Right. Like, and that's kind of what Jonathan was saying, right? Like, you can go one of two ways on that. You can be like, I embrace this. This is hilarious and amazing. Or you can be like, okay, enough. 
Uh, what else did you guys like from the video or our thoughts on the actual video itself and the writing process? The uh, CSI Miami thing, um, that's just never going to get old. <laughs> Me either. Um, I'm sure at some point, like, it's going to be like Barrett or maybe even Danae is going to be like, you guys really need to quit this shit. But <laughs> I know Aaron and I love that more than life itself. So it tends to pop up. And that can be a good TV sin staple, I guess. Yeah, no, it's it's a lot of fun. And we, we got props in the comments for doing it in the proper order because people mess <laughs> up. Like the, you know, I think they, they subtracted us in from the video for us uh, doing the CSI Miami thing correctly, uh, which is <laughs> you pause, put on your sunglasses, then pun, then scream. That is the order. That's how it's supposed to go. How does, it how, does it, how is it done inaccurately? In you say, you say the whole thing and then you put on the sunglasses and do the scream. Uh, oh. You'll see that sometimes. So, yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's some bullshit. <laughs> right. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, David Caruso. You gave us so many moments. It was just a really funny episode. Like I had very little to do with the writing on this. Um, this was pretty much you and Danae knocked it out, and it was just uh it was just very it was very funny. Oh, that's true. It's interesting. We should mention that since we're all behind the scenes here and everything, uh, with TV Sins going to two a week, uh, it used to be that Jonathan and I would write on all the TV Sins and then Danae would join us on a few, and now the three of us are kind of splitting them out together. So this one technically, I guess, was Dicer Hughes with Watkins jumping in and helping at the end, right? So it's a little bit Mm -hmm. different. We call that what? Shadowing, Barrett, I think is what we've called that, like shadowing a script kind of thing where you you have influence on a script, but you're not necessarily writing a full script uh, Mm -hmm. for it. So yeah, so Jonathan shadowed on this script. Uh, Danae and I wrote it. Um, But yeah, I I liked the uh, Doctors Without Boundaries uh, crack uh, that was put in there. I thought that was good. I'm really enjoying writing um, alternative title sins. is really fun for me, and I like the the one for this was uh, bro hugs and tattoos with the vroom vroom boys. I thought that was <laughs> that was great. Uh, and then I'm super proud of hell's uh, Hellboy's angels uh, as yeah, well, of course. Yeah. And this one, which well, uh, that Hellboy nice. outtake was great. Which we put that on the previously. Yeah, on the next one, yeah. Previously on, but uh, but that was that just worked out perfectly, and it's just the way Ron Perlman looks in that scene, just him, and then him speaking as Hellboy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that one was a lot of fun, uh, despite the show being kind of a bummer uh, for me. And Danae has some thoughts on it as well. Again, I mentioned she'll uh, yeah. she'll have those. Uh, well, and this is one end. of those shows. Like I was, you know, I'm always curious with some of these dramas like this. I mean, this has got at least like action and stuff in it. There's some stuff we can poke at. It's a little. It's a little less. It's not as hard as like something like Handmaid's Tale, right? Because uh, there's not like a lot of. I mean, there. I guess there could be some allegory found in here. I don't know, but um, I, I, I was curious because I know this play, this show gets a little dark. But I guess in the pilot, it's not as dark as it eventually gets. So yeah, uh, there that was that well. <clears throat> there was also a nice little combo uh, sin that that got a lot of attention that people liked uh, between Danae and I. We basically wrote a similar thing uh, during the scene where they're just throwing out names and places and. Like, like we're supposed to know them. And so we both made a comment on the idea of, you know, it being uh, not something we, you know, wanted to keep up with or understood what was going on. Uh, and the eventual sin um, was basically like Game of Thrones uh, traded tits and dragons for uh, exhaust fumes and motorcycles or something like that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's great. And that, that, that was kind of fun. I love it when we, because that sin is really just a combination of the two different things we wrote. And I love it when it kind of fits together that well. Uh, yeah. And so that's kind of fun. 
Uh, all right, let's move on to music video sins for the week. Uh, Taylor Swift Lover uh, was the uh, <laughs> music sins video. And uh, who has some thoughts on the, the song itself? We'll start there. What do you guys think of this song? Go for I, it, Barry. I, I love this, this song. I of Now, I like almost all of the songs that I've heard off of the new album, which is called Lover. Uh, but this is by far my favorite. It's a, a cross between like like show off showing off her musicianship her songwriting and then kind of taking a step back from the whole you know calling out my haters type of thing or like you know doing something snarky it's just more of like a pure love ballad now i hate the fucking name i hate the fucking name lover 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 nobody says lover <laughs> and that's one of the sins is that you know nobody says fucking lover anymore because a uh, it's 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 overused in like Woody Allen movies and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and like old creepy dudes going, "That's my lover." And then it was parodied <laughs> by Will Ferrell and Rachel Dratch in SNL, where they're talking about the lavas. You know, I was uh, we were on a pasture and eating lamb shank, and the juices drooled down our chin as we made love with our lovers and all that shit. And so Taylor trying to bring the word lover back is fucking annoying. But what should, what should she have gone with, uh, Barrett? Paramore, maybe? Or uh, uh, my, my boo. <laughs> my boo? Yeah. <laughs> You're uh, my, my, my boo. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I really like this song, too. Like, a lot. And the video. Mm-hmm. I really like mm-hmm. the video. Um, I, I love how the different rooms play almost like one of those uh, sectioned YouTube videos where the same person, you know, does all the vocal tracks and all the instruments. Mm-hmm. And so that she's kind of doing that in the rooms with the bass guitar and the violin and, and that kind of thing I think is interesting. Um, I have a question. Is this song satire? I feel like this song may be satire. Um, the beginning. Why do you think that? The beginning of the the beginning and the end, you know, the bookends of this with the little girl at Christmas and gazing into the, you know, her perfect idea of what a relationship looks like, uh, the way the lyrics are over a little over the top, even the use of the word lover. Um, mm-hmm. There, there are things about the way she's she's saying these. I should look up the lyrics and give you some examples. But where I'm kind of going is this like one of those things where. Um, the Turtles were great at this, to go back to the 60s. Uh, Happy Together is almost a satire. In fact, it's really kind of about unrequited love, but people take it as a love song, right? Uh, they had a, uh, another song called Eleanor that's one of my favorites, where the chorus is like, Eleanor, G, I think you're swell. You really do me well. You're my pride and joy, etc." is actually the lyrics. And it's this idea of we don't want to do – we find typical love songs – uh, a little bit ridiculous and a little bit boring and a little bit, you know, passe. And so we're going to s- satirize it. And then culture goes, oh, I'm going to use this as my love song. And I kind of feel like there's a little bit of that going on here where Taylor's like, it's really not this simple. So I'm going to exaggerate this simplified idea of what love is. Um, I don't know. I just found the lyrics really interesting mm. in that way. I just wonder. If I she's like right. your take. I like your take. I do too. I think you're wrong, but yeah. I like your take. I just, I wonder. I've, you know, I watched a decent amount of interviews uh, with with Taylor with this album release, and one of them was a long form like Sunday morning CBS thing. And they actually went to the video set and everything, uh, and that that fishbowl imagery uh, in the bathroom mm-hmm. was very intentional. Like she she's saying, like if you want to date me, then you're going to have to live in this fishbowl. This these mm-hmm. are the types of things that she. 
I'm not saying that she's not capable of, you know, sarcasm or or satire or anything like that. I just don't think she typically aims for that. Yeah, that's why you get stuff like you need to calm down, which is very literal. And you get stuff like, sure. look what she made me do. And that's very literal. Never, ever so, getting back I together. Think, yeah, exactly. So, like, I, 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 I dig where you're, where you're going. I just don't know if that's her mindset. With okay. So here's the bridge is what brings it out to me the most. And it's where it locked in for me. And it's, it's throughout the song. But the bridge says, ladies and gentlemen, will you please stand with every guitar string scar on my hand? I take this magnetic force of a man to be my lover my heart <laughs> uh, my heart's been borrowed and yours has been blue all's well that ends well to end up with you swear to be over dramatic and mm-hmm. true to my lover and mm-hmm. you'll save all your dirtiest jokes for me and at every table i'll save you a seat lover i just i feel like including the word over dramatic in there as well i don't know i i think there's something under here that's, that's a little bit I mean, different. I mean, she's, I think that's she's a very, very smart person, especially when it comes to writing. I've, I haven't seen any interviews about this album, but I've seen interviews with her in the past, and just the way she talks about how like some of her songs have come together, um, especially when she was really young. Um, it's just crazy the mind she had, you know. And and she's written so many of these types of songs. I mean, it's possible that even subconsciously, um, mm-hmm. some of this stuff's coming out. Yeah. I mean, whether she intended it to or may, not, maybe not. Yeah. And maybe it's accidental. Maybe it's not there at yeah. all. Maybe I'm just seeing things because that's how my brain works. I totally get that. But there is something about this song that makes me wonder if it's if it's actually but a satire. I, I like this Taylor Swift. Like this is my kind of Taylor Swift. Like even going back to something silly like the never getting back together. Like I kind of prefer that. And I kind of feel like that's kind of what's here, too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just silly. It's sweet. It's up. It's fun. Um, when she tries to get more serious, like something like Blank Space, which is actually a really good song, I just don't enjoy that as much, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, That's my take on Taylor. I hear a lot of Taylor with the, having an eight-year-old daughter. I bet um, you do. So I bet you do. Uh, yeah. I think this video is hilarious. Great job, mm-hmm. Barrett. This is good stuff. I liked the observation of the staircase. There not being a way to get to the second floor. Right. Um, that was that was a great observation. Uh, and then the outtakes. My goodness, the outtakes killed me. Uh, the animal. I'm telling you that SNL one was maybe my favorite outtake since we did this thing on the Ariana Grande Santa song video, mm-hmm. where she looks over to the right and it pans into the furry giving a blowjob in The Shining. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is my second favorite because it's timed perfectly. She's like, "You my my my," and she looks at the camera and is like, "Lava." Uh, yeah, the, the, my, my, my Nemo outtake was perfect. Uh, the animal house outtake was perfect. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this video. I outtakes on music video sends. I don't know if I ever talked about this before, but outtakes on music video sends are almost the most fun just because we're already putting like, cause we're not really limited with the music. Right. Since we're already doing that. Yeah. (laughs) So you can just kind of go bananas. Yeah, we are. I don't know if we've ever even talked about uh, how we avoid mu- or try to avoid music as much as possible just because of this, you know, the craziness with the YouTube claim system. Um, so, yeah, with music videos, you're already putting it in there. So, yeah. Bear, have you ever even talked about, Barrett, how we did a couple videos without the music? I haven't talked about it, but yeah, we we've we've tried many things to, uh, you know, make keep this channel viable and uh Music is a complicated bastard, man, because especially music videos, because you've got the owners of the the content of the video. You've got the owners 
of the writing of the satire of the video. You've got the music itself, and then you've got the studio, and then you've got the songwriter. So there's a lot of a lot of fingers and a lot of pies with yeah. when it comes to music. Yeah, for sure, makes it a little more difficult. Uh, any other thoughts on the uh, the MVS for this? Um, I love the Christian Grey reference. Um, <laughs> just well, and just because I just at least that's the persona she puts out there. I just I was I was think Taylor's got a little bit going on behind her eyes there. Um, so I thought that was perfect. <laughs> you just wish she did. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's yeah, a little bit of projection. Like, you know what's funny? I just and I she's got a good sense of humor. I didn't uh, put this in the tabs thing, but it is funny because when she sings that, you'll save all your dirtiest jokes just for me. I don't really know a whole lot of dirty jokes. So I had to look up a bunch of dirty jokes, and I wanted to find the filthiest, just ridiculous, <laughs> like just absolutely ridiculous joke. And then I got to like a list of 130 jokes or whatever. And then the nearsighted gynecologist one just kind of worked and fit like <laughs> syntactically. So yeah, tell the one about the nearsighted gynecologist. That's yeah. a good point. Like at some point in your life, you just quit telling jokes, right? Like I don't know any jokes. No, no, you're a joke writer, but we don't know any jokes. <laughs> well, I mean, like I don't know any. Like I mean, I guess I should phrase that. Like we don't like just sit around and like tell like jokes, <laughs> no. right? Although yeah, on, I mean, uh... like you did when you were younger, you know. Yeah, I there are plenty of one-liners that stick in my brain, uh, wordplay yeah. kind of stuff that'll stick. But as far as like story jokes, which are some of the best, by the way, story jokes maybe can be that's a ton the way of fun. Put it narrative jokes. Um, yeah, I don't. They don't. I don't hold on to those. Um, other than the the dirtiest joke I ever used to tell as the sweet Christian boy that I've always been uh, involved the um, uh, psychiatrist who uh, who had a patient that one day walked in. And instead of wearing clothes, had just wrapped himself in cellophane uh, all the way around instead of wearing clothes. And the psychiatrist said, sir, I can clearly see your nuts. And that's that's the dirtiest <laughs> joke <laughs> nice. that, that I ever told. Uh, all right. I know some dead baby jokes that I'm not going to repeat. <laughs> oh, but there yeah. you go. There you go. Let's move on then to music from behind on Music Video Sins. Yay. Uh, we have Barrett on. Yes. This will be good. Yeah. I'd like to hear some. Uh, we are... <laughs> this will be more than me and Aaron and Danae going, that was funny. That was hilarious. <laughs> that's basically all this segment is, is just uh, us just being like, Barrett is hilarious. Uh, but now Barrett can tell you how he is hilarious and why this stuff happens. Uh, first, I just have to start off by saying Ginger Jesus uh, is <laughs> is one of the best Ed Sheeran uh, uh, names I've ever heard. So uh, well done. Um, I really want to know how this one came about. Uh, do you want to start there? Do you want to just kind of give us a little, you know, your own behind the scenes on music from behind and how it started and how the process goes for you and, and how you do these things? Yeah. So for the first few of these in fact up until this one it's been mostly me writing out a narrative script which is different from what we do typically um and and relying more on absurdity and visuals than we typically do because we're not lampooning an object we're we're lampooning a, a career or a figure or that kind of thing so we start off with a ridiculous premise now some of this is actually uh, buoyed by some writers from our production company, Made In, so shout out to them. Uh, and then the editors do amazing work. Uh, Chris Creasy and Ashley Stamp are like actually like putting these things together in the most absurd way. And because the the visuals are, you know, you could say a huge part of 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 making these jokes land. Uh, it could be a funny joke, but if there's nothing that, that's on the screen that's really yelling at you, then you know it's it's gonna it's not gonna land. Can I can I uh, interrupt and ask a question about that? 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, like in this one, one of my favorite things is that I think Rupert Grint is thrown in there yes. a couple times. Now, is that something you put in the script, or is that something Made In does just because they think it's funny? They did it because they thought it was funny. That's I great. think it's something that we had talked about in a meeting before mm-hmm. uh, beforehand. But uh, yeah, no, it's, th- it's things like that. It's things like putting Liam Hemsworth in the Miley video as her brother. It's just that's that's all the the editors and they're awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love that's that's an underappreciated thing. And we've actually talked about um, uh, next time one of us, you know, is out of town for behind the scenes or whatever is actually having somebody from Made Income on the podcast and talk a little bit yeah. about their role. And, you know, it's a, it's a company we work with uh, that helps us out with, you know, editing and different things like that. And they are they're clever, funny people who uh, do have, you know, a little bit of influence on some of the jokes that hit and don't. And and yeah, it's it's really cool. Yeah, this one. You know, we we all kind of we we have fairly regular meetings about this show, and we uh, we come up with top line premises, right? Like Ed Sheeran is Prince Harry, or right? Uh, you know, uh, uh, Cardi B is a bird, or something like that. Um, and then we go from there, and so from that, like it it takes me getting into weird like Nick Cage and Gone in sixty seconds, where he's just like, okay, let's go. It takes me getting into that headspace, and then, like, I'll punch out a script within, like, you know, four or five hours or so. And uh, the, then I go back over it, and I'm like, is that absurd enough? And so I'll tweak it to make it a little bit more absurd. But there's always this little toehold in reality to where, like, you know, I, you've heard, you've seen the comments about, like, oh, you know, I thought this was real until this and that kind of thing. I want it to have some sort of basis in reality. The fact that we threw in uh, a completely fictional treaty uh, authorizing Australians to have their own uh, continent and that being the scourge <laughs> for the entire world, you know, it, it's it's ridiculous. But, like, I bet there's somebody that, that watches that and says, like, oh, yeah, that probably happened in 1989. <laughs> what the fuck it was? <laughs> so, you know, and, and, of course, you know, just a ridiculous shot at Australia. There was... A couple of Australians that were like, I'm not even offended. That's pretty funny. <laughs> the criminal uh, underbelly of society now has their own continent. Yeah, and, <laughs> and making making Queen Elizabeth a cruel-ass tyrant, like, really, really brutal. Like, I wanted to hammer that in. Uh, yeah, so th- this one was a lot of fun. This was one of the mo- more fun ones that uh, that we've had so far. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um I uh, I love that Matthew Mercer is in there, and this again may have been a, a made-in thing, or I don't know who that came from. Um, but I think uh, that was a made-in thing. Uh, but and I had to give him a shout out just because uh, Danae's not here, and she would have absolutely one hundred percent talked about Critical Role for probably <laughs> five to ten minutes uh, on this podcast if she had been here. But to see him <laughs> pop up as the dungeon master or whatever, I thought was <laughs> was really hilarious. Yes, yes. I've just been really enjoying watching this whole thing evolve like this just seemed to be like the craziest one yet (laughs) which is a lot considering we've uh had cardi b as a bird yeah and uh walt disney uh turning the jonas brothers into all kinds of things it sounds preposterous when you put it that way (laughs) and yet it's true there's something else i love about this and it's a little deeper and i apologize but again this is just what my brain does but there's almost a commentary with music from behind on the whole fake news idea. Like there's a commentary going on here about how we are willing to believe 
anything as human beings. And, you know, it's 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 interesting because you play to this conspiracy angle so well. There are things like, you know, phrases like some people like us may ask or not convinced, mm, you know, like the, like yeah. these very conspiracy oriented phrases. Uh, and it's the same kind of stuff people use to say we didn't go to the moon or this thing mm-hmm. didn't, you know, that kind yeah. of stuff. And it's like you're 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 kind of proving that it doesn't matter how ridiculous something is. You can paint it like that. You can make a case even when you're being over the top satirical and ridiculous. And I just I kind of love that aspect of it as well. And I know this is a little different and I don't know if this is still the case, but I remember there was some study done like this was like 10 years ago or something. But there was a there was a like uh, interviewing, I guess, younger people and the daily show was like where the majority of people were getting their news. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'll take the daily show over Twitter. You know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> no, it, no, that's what I'm saying. This, that is a little different, but at the same time, that's still, I mean, and they do report actual things on the daily show. And I guess that it's become a little more of a news program as it's evolved. But at that time, especially, I mean, it wasn't like not necessarily the news. I mean, it wasn't like parody. Right. Um, but it, but it was kind of. I mean, it, it was you know it was kind of a satirical stance on things. Yeah, that was John um, Stewart. Just the idea always... that people were taking that in as opposed to like actual news. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That was his defense. Um, was anytime anybody would challenge him on his content, he'd be like, "I'm, you know, my show's on after dick joke talking pu- puppets." You yeah. Know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and so he could kind of get away with that. But yeah, there there definitely was that that undercurrent of it. Well, and it's this, like. It, it 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 genuinely is the same thing that we deal with with you know people you know taking us as serious movie critics you know what i mean like it's mm-hmm. it's almost yeah. identical the idea that they're doing satire while they're also making true statements and saying things that make sense and you know are about actual things that's kind of what we do we have the satire and the jokes and also you yeah. know real criticism I'm, I'm a together. joke writer who doesn't know jokes <laughs> <That's> <laughs> we, exactly we discussed this well I'm glad that you you picked up on that conspiratorial thing because that that's literally a conversation that we we have and have had, uh, including language that a lot of these conspiracy theorists use. Now, what what we don't want to do, or what I don't want to do, is cross that line to where you just mention something and no, not come back to it because I don't think that's what this show is. I think it's making a ridiculous posit and then supporting that argument with ridiculous facts yeah. instead of just like throwing out Alex Jones stuff. Like, well, this happened, this happened. We all, like, like accepted logic. Now, that does work for a certain amount of people, but I don't want it to work. <laughs> you know, but, but <laughs> right. We, we are indeed, your reading of it is exactly correct. We're, we're pointing out, you know, the absurdity not only of this premise, but also of media consumption and, you know, how we can frame it through, through the, the lens of a behind-the-music parody um, and, and make it sound believable. Start, a lot of that starts with, the type of narration that we do, making it very authoritative mm-hmm. and like, you know, it sounds like this person knows what they're doing. And so when you do make ridiculous statements, it carries some sort of, I don't know, platform uh, that, that, that can make that absurdity seem plausible, at least for the moment. My almost favorite, I think my favorite thing about this was the beginning where you were just saying, or the narrator was just saying, like, look at this picture of the royal family, and Ed Sheeran's not there. <laughs> like, and it's just, yeah. the, but the way you deliver it is just so, like, matter of fact. And Still you know, not you're convinced? Not even thinking, like, well, why would Ed Sheeran be there? Uh, all right, let's move on to uh, Cinema Sins, shall we? Uh, oh, yeah. Let's uh, do it. Technically a one-two punch 
in uh, this week of Cinema Sins, TV Sins. I found the interesting. I found the uh, reactions to that a bit interesting. They were kind of all over the place uh, with the fact that part one was on Cinema Sins and then part two was on TV Sins. For the most part, people under you know understood the crossover and what we were doing and moving people to the new channel and making sure people knew about it, that kind of thing. And then there were just people who were just so confused. They just could not figure it out. Uh, and there are those comments of why is this one on TV sins when, you know, it's, um, on cinema sins too. And it's like, this is the perfect example of something that could be on both, right? It is a movie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's also a TV miniseries. Like this works, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, no, I, this is a perfect encapsulation. I mean, yeah. you know, it's a three hour miniseries. I believe did it, it, it was four parts, right? When it first aired. Oh, I thought oh, it, was it was two. two. It was two nights. It was two nights. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that we, we got it really right in the middle there, right, as it transitions more to what you see in part two uh, in the movie that just got released. But no, this is – you can't get more of a, a, a you know softball in order to do a cross-promotion or a cross-episode thing than this. Yeah, well, and I'm curious how many of our uh, viewers and listeners uh, were uh, – are old enough to have watched it when it was on because – did you see it, Barrett? No, I did not see it. Well, I, I mean, I watched the mini series on the crazy double tape VHS thing. Yeah, but that yeah, was yeah. No, that was a few years later. Because I just don't know if people like. I mean, you know, these used to be huge. Uh, like, like TV movies of the week and mini series used to just be like uh, appointment television. Mm-hmm. Well, that was that was uh, that was back when all there was was appointment television. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, they were, I was listening to uh, Mick Garris and Stephen King on a podcast a few months ago because it was the anniversary of the Stand. Which the stand, I believe, was a four-part miniseries, and like about, fifty yeah. million people watched that. It's crazy live. Yeah, there's there's this thing that's hard, and I'm not the first person to say it. Obviously, it gets said all the time. So apologies for repeating something mm-hmm. that that. But I still think it's it, it's kind of mind blowing how recently this was. But if you didn't watch your TV show the night it was on, there was no guarantee you would ever see it again. That was a True. thing. You know, when we were growing up, where it was like you had to watch Cosby show or, you know, whatever it might be, because you didn't know if they were going to play the reruns over the summer, you know, and even if you had a way to record something, I mean, this was pre DVR and stuff. So you can maybe record one thing and watch one other thing if you had the correct setup. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, it's it's crazy to think of how much. The way we consume media has changed, you know, in the last few decades. So it's been interesting to see. Um, let's start just with the overall miniseries itself. You know, Jonathan, you were asking about our experience. Barrett didn't see it when it aired. I did not. I wasn't allowed to see it when it aired. In fact, that was my guess. My my uh, this was my first viewing of it for writing the the sins. Yeah. And, and by the way, we all did both uh, parts of this. This is Dicer Share Watkins for yep. both part one and part two. Um, so, so you, on the other hand, you watched it when it aired mm-hmm. and what were your feelings on it in 1990 and how has that changed watching it again? Like, what are your thoughts on this thing? I mean, from what I remember, I, I enjoyed it. It was a big water cooler moment for me as a young, cause I was, uh, I think I was four, I was 13 or 14. I can't remember when in 1990 it was released, but I was 13 or 14 when it came out. Um, so I just, me and all my friends, you know, we, we, we quit playing and we, it was like, it's coming on. So, you know, we went home and watched it with our parents or whatever. And then we, you know, we talked about it the next day and then we watched the second part and then we talked about it the next day. I don't even know. I think I've watched it one more time after that, like in the last like decade, maybe, because like you said, it wasn't like it came back on and then they would release like the VHS tapes or whatever at some point, like Barrett was talking about. 
And how did you feel about it, you know, this all this time later? Um, it doesn't hold up. <laughs> That's you know, you guys both have this opinion. I think uh Aaron may even hate it. But Oh, we'll get I, there. We will get oh, there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I found it I found it I, I remembered really nothing uh, about that time that I did watch it on VHS. Yes, it's stilted. The acting is not all that great, especially with the kids, but they're kids, so I, give, I cut them a little sure, slack. of course. Um, oh, the kids and, are fine. And I, I thought this this was okay. Uh, you know, the adult acting is not very good. Uh, it feels rushed, especially in the second part, but I didn't mind it. I thought it was perfectly fine. I would take this second part over the one that we just got. <laughs> Honestly, 100%. and I'm, I'm, that's, that's no bullshit. Like, I'm, I'm serious. I would rather watch this second part as bad as it is, uh, more so than I would, I would want to watch this chapter two, all three fucking hours of it again. I, uh, I agree. I would rather watch uh, the miniseries than uh, it chapter two. And we talk more about that, obviously in our little, uh, mini it review that will be in the outtakes. But, um, I don't hate this. I don't. In fact, it's really interesting. Um, I I think it's really bad. I think it's just, I, it's almost a testament to how much we've evolved our ability to tell stories in the last 30 years. Um, as it is just that, I mean, that was, I mean, that's a 90s miniseries. That's what it was like. It was very soap opery, and the acting was very weird and strange and it, it just why is it so mean <laughs> well and it, it's it's interesting too if you read about it because larry cohen um i believe he was there from the get-go he's the screenplay writer and he's a really good writer he originally it was going to be like eight or ten hours and then they made them cut it back mm. and so i think that's where you get why it feels so rushed it especially when it gets towards that last hour and a half or whatever well in the 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 i mean the biggest example of of that for me is the audra stuff um you, you know she's she's in it for five minutes at the beginning 10 minutes in the middle and 10 minutes at the end and yet the movie wants to finish with that being the big triumph is their relationship you know it's like i i just i in that whole audra scene where he's you know running down the the sewers yelling audra like he's rocky at the end of uh you know Rocky. So I, yeah, it was one of those, one of those things for me where I just, I could, I could feel that I was missing pages, right? Like you can feel that sometimes when you're watching an adaptation, like they're just pages missing. And well, even, even the Henry Bauer stuff too. I will say this. Um, the, I, the reason I can say I don't hate it is because it actually made me more excited to mm-hmm. see the new big budget version. And so there's something about this story that is interesting enough to me, that is fascinating enough to me, that uh, that the miniseries actually made me go, huh, I wonder what they'll do with this in the, in the new one. So I, it's not like I hated it. It's just I just think it's, it suffers from its own, um, you know, from its own time period, for mm-hmm. one, and its own inability to, you know, be as big as it needs to be. Yeah, I mean, this, this, this follows very closely to the book a lot more than the... Um the current movie does. So I think some people really appreciate that about it. Even if they, even if the acting's not great and it's got really crappy special effects, which to be fair, the the new movie actually suffers from some special effects issues. Hmm. I, I think it's, it's, if it suffers, it suffers from an over-reliance on them. 
Uh, let's talk about the videos, making the videos mm-hmm. and some of the jokes and some kind of the fun stuff uh, we have with that. Um, what are some of your thoughts? Uh, Barrett, why don't you kick us off? What are your, some of the thoughts about uh, the process of, <laughs> of sending this? You know, it's so silly. But uh, one of my favorite, uh, and I think we all had something about Bill Denbro's ponytail. Yes, in fact, like, we did. Yes. For whatever reason, man, <laughs> he's like, I'm a writer, Audra. That's what I do. And just adding that, and ponytails. I do ponytails, too. I do writing and ponytails. I just believe that was reason. you, right? Uh, was it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, that's why I like it. <laughs> we, no, I think we've aired. made our piece. No, no, that. no. I know I, that wasn't mine. Listen, listen. I, we have made our peace on this show with the fact that we're going to love our jokes. Like that's okay. In fact, that's kind of cool, right? Oh, like yeah. it's it's it means we like what we do. So, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, that no, was a good was, one. This was fun. This is an interesting case of something not being quote unquote good, but being really fun to send. Uh, just because there, there's so many open. Silly sins like the ponytail ones. There's a there's a, a title card that says Great Neck New York, and I think I think uh, it, it, this may have actually been me too. Is in case you confused it with Great Tits California. <laughs> no, that's yeah, great. That was for whatever reason, that just like it makes me giggle, and anytime it makes me giggle, I'm in, I'm enjoying myself. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and as opposed to Peter Cetera's Chicago was the one I wrote. Yeah, in Chicago, yeah. Illinois. Good stuff. I also like the the random phone that John Ritter's uh, like architecture. Uh, pad where he had the phone cord yeah, hanging the from the fuck? ceiling. <laughs> what the fuck? We both had stuff on that too. Yeah, no, that's it. And by the way, in that apartment, I can't remember if this is in the first. Yeah, it's in the first one, part one. Uh, in that apartment, I make one of us makes a joke about the tuba in the background. Yeah, and how it's all you know multicolored and all that stuff, and we make a like a Jack Tripper Ripper uh, 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 pun on there. Uh, I did see in the comments, maybe you got this as one of your comments, that somebody pointed out uh, that it's a sousaphone, not a tuba. It is a sousaphone, and I actually almost mentioned that during the process, because my boys play sousaphones uh, in marching band. And then tuba, they play in uh, regular band. Um, But when you march, it's harder to march with a tuba, so they reshape the instrument, and it's called a sousaphone, and you march with a sousaphone. So it's kind of similar to French horn. In that, mm-hmm. generally, you play French horn in concert band, but then you uh, march with a different instrument that looks more like a trumpet. But it's called oh, what is the what is French horns march? A French I, trumpet? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's not called that. But anyways, there's a different instrument. So I almost mentioned that. I was like, nobody's gonna care, and then people cared. <laughs> of well, course, ba- they it's care. It's still basically a tuba. It's a marching band tuba. Yeah. yeah, I just looked it up. It's a mellophone. That's what it's called. Oh, the, the, oh that's what mm-hmm. the. Um, that's what the French horn is? Yeah. So instead of marching with a French horn, you march with a mellophone. So, yeah. So there you go. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this one as well. Jonathan, anything that you wanted to bring oh, well, out? I, in the... I did like, when the, and this is one I wrote, I did like catching the Oakland A's hat. <laughs> that one ended up getting cut, right? Because it was too blurry? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a good I one know, to bring out. That's that right. That I forgot that got catch. cut. Yeah. Cause it, but it was, in the initial, it was in the initial edit, though. Right. Yeah. That's, that's the thing about this. Like, there can be really great and genius observations that just can't get across because i mean even if you zoom and even if you zoom and enhance like you can't get these to to really show the joke even though you know it's there right yeah sometimes it just doesn't work in the edit and that's okay you know it's you know it's kind of part of with the editing process they say right like uh, killing your babies is the editing process and sometimes you just gotta let stuff go Mm -hmm. but uh but no that was a good one yeah i like that one 
I wrote uh, the Goop Burn, the uh, the Gwyneth Paltrow <laughs> Burn, which I'm really proud yeah. of, and maybe one of the sins I'm most proud of, just because that kind of nonsense really bothers me. Uh, and basically the line in the movie is, if it works, Eddie, it's good medicine. You've always <laughs> believed in it, and that's all that ever mattered. And that just tor- it just tweaks me. And so I, I wrote a slam on Gwyneth Paltrow uh, for that. I also really like uh, the, the ending, which I think is an Aaron uh, thing, the, 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 the ending of part one, where this is the allusion to the, uh, oh, the child yeah, orgy yeah. scene. Um, it is, and it's funny because our mantra is the books don't matter, part of them. Um, right. But uh, in this case, it plays perfectly. It just it, it's it's just like a subtle reference rather than anything overt about what actually happens. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's almost kind of proof that the book shouldn't matter, right? <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like it's like the one time we decide to read the book, and this is what we get. <laughs> um, I also like that we we all had different uh, one word answers for the why is it doing this? Why does it hate? Why is it so mean? Uh, and some of the options were the one that uh, we ended up going with, which was Twitter uh, with the it pun. Uh, yeah. Another option was Cinema Sins. We could have gone with that. Uh, that would have worked fine. And then Barrett, I think you even threw in Taylor Swift uh, as an option as well. So um, it was just such I, a- I almost had Jeremy singing. Yeah. To do the uh, the Taylor Swift mean song. There were a lot of comments in regards to, like, why we didn't make certain references. Mm-hmm. And just to clear that up, like, there was one specifically where somebody said, I'm, I was sad there wasn't a Night Court reference. I actually had a Night Court outtake. But we just had so many outtakes mm-hmm. that a lot mm-hmm. of them had to be cut. But, yeah, like, I think I had one where, like, over... I think it was supposed to be when it said, when it said starring Harry Anderson, you would all of a sudden hear the Night Court theme. Well, and we call it, we call him at one point the Night Court Jester in one of the scripts. That's true, mm-hmm. and we also call we also call him a Dave's World. So we oh, cover yeah. the Harry Anderson gauntlet. I think you know you know it's it's one of those. Here's an interesting thing about this that doesn't apply to really any of the other scripts that we do because it was a crossover two parter. There are comments on one of the parts about something we did on the other part. So, for instance, somebody may be commenting that we didn't do any Night Court references on the one part that we didn't have any Night Court references, but they were in the other part. Um, So it's kind of one of those things where... uh, uh, Oh, and also there was the... People wanted a sin removal for um, the the Pennywise performance, right? Well, we did that in the first part, and I guess we could have also done it in the second part, but it was kind of one of those things where, you know... I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like it was, it's kind of works better as a, f- a full piece. Well, like exactly. somebody even said, like with the, I think it was on the it part one, they mentioned something about us not making a, a Walton's reference, but then we do that in the second one. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That kind of stuff. I found that interesting as well. Well, there you go. That's the week uh, that we had in the CinemaSins universe. Uh, let's move on. Let's do some keeping tab. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hey, podcast peeps, it's me again. Um, those are my dogs. Those are my. Uh, every time I try to talk, wow. Is this how Aaron feels when we're? Okay, we're gonna try this. I just wanted to tell you about the survey again, which is at cinemasense.com slash BTS. So go fill it out. The internet is a communications tool used the world over where people can come together to bitch about movies and share pornography with one another. Ha ha! Oh, jeez. This is the most public yet of my many humiliations. We're each going to pick uh, two things from the editing process. They can be tabs that we remember having open, things we researched, uh, funny, embarrassing things we had to search, uh, deleted sins, whatever you want to do here from the process. Um, I'll kick it off since we've already kind of touched on this. My first one was the Stephen King orgy uh, scene. Uh, researching that because I've never read the books. Uh, and I, I had this moment where I was like, do I want to research it and actually know what's said there before I write this in? Like, is that necessary? Uh, and then I decided, no, I decided I don't actually need to read that scene to, to kind of know. You can kind of get the idea yeah, get the from sense what, of it. what people say. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, there's a, the limit to the road that you go down on that one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, what do you got Barrett? So uh, some of this came from uh, Sincast research. Uh, I had never seen the remake of Vacation, the Ed uh-huh. Helms one, uh, Christina Applegate and all that. But the, the Chris and Jeremy were talking about the Chris Hemsworth cameo and where he's like, I don't know, he takes them in and like gives them shelter and stuff like that. And he's like a like a cowboy type of dude. And uh, they were like, oh, you should watch this scene. It's pretty funny. So. I pull up on YouTube, and he's just walking around with his shirt off, just as this massive cock poking out of his underwear. And he's just, like, doing stretches right next to him and everything. And it's one of the funny – I mean, here it's a terrible movie, but it's one of my favorite scenes just out of nowhere because it's fucking hilarious. Yeah, I've never watched the scene in context. I've, I mean, I remember in the trailer they showed bits of it. <laughs> yeah but it so did that look was, that like was much like one... ghostbusters he was going to be the funniest part yeah yeah exactly and and i i forget what google search term i use but something like <laughs> chris hemsworth cock well barrett barrett i'm gonna guess you're not the first person to to, to search that on the internet i'm i'm gonna guess <laughs> i like that you're making up this whole vacation story yeah right like <laughs> There are some movies like that, though, where, you know, even in horrible movies where there are, you know, scenes that are so hilarious that they just completely work out of context. Um, yes. No, I mean, that's that, it, the reason that I was looking at that is uh, was a question on Sincast saying, what is a good scene from a terrible movie? Yeah. And that's what Jeremy mentioned. I was like, I got to check that out. And uh, check it out. I did. 
<laughs> All right, Jonathan, uh, what's one of your keeping tabs? So in, um, I believe it was the part two of the miniseries. Yeah, it was because it was uh, it was John Boy uh, or Bill Denbar or whatever his name is. Um, when he goes to see um, his brother's uh, grave, I noticed there's like a focus on a tombstone nearby that says Reverend Peter Terranova. And they like they like focus in on it enough to where I'm like, what is that about? Hmm. So I just looked up out of curiosity and it, it actually, it was really weird. Like it was almost like the, it basically it was a prop from an episode of the, there was a TV show called wise guy. Do you guys remember this show at all? No. Kevin so. Spacey was actually in a season of it. That was like where most people started seeing him. Like, um, so that's all it was, but I just thought that was interesting. It was like, it, they apparently it was, um, it was from an episode of, uh, this show wise guy, um, and they just, I guess they were shooting around that area. They needed to, they needed some tombstone props. And so they just planted that one in there. That's great. But it's like, but it's really weird in the movie. Cause if you watch that scene, like they really focus in on that. Like they want you to see that. Uh, but I'm I surprised you found that. How did you find that? that? And then there was also, but, but I was, but I came across like all these different name references in that movie or in the miniseries. And apparently when, uh, when Beverly goes back to her home, uh, when she's looking at the names on the where the buttons are, there's one that says Starkweather and there's one that says Burke. And Starkweather was actually uh, a reference to Charles Starkweather, who was like the real life Bonnie. What it was like a, a, a another Bonnie and Clyde, and uh, and then the Burke was William Burke of uh, Burke and Hare fame, the the grave robbers from Scotland. Do you guys know that? No. Hmm. Uh, it was the, there's been a couple of movies made about them and like books written about them, uh, but um, they were grave robbers in the 1820s and uh, I believe Scotland. Um, they were uh, robbing graves so they could sell them to people for medical studies, and then eventually I guess they ran out of graves to rob, so they just started killing people. Yeah, okay. <laughs> they started. They had a they had a place uh, where there were they were letting lodgers come in, and then they would they were murdering the lodgers. Mm. And, wow! Uh, selling those for medical stuff. That's uh, that's that's some stand-up dudes right there. there. Exactly. So, uh, but yeah, no, I just thought that was interesting. I, I I I ended up coming across all this when I was just looking up that Peter Terranova thing. That's hilarious. I you know it's one of those things where a lot of times props will get shared and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. just because they know it's been cleared. You know, I think there's a there's a certain newspaper that like every show and movie uses because like all the pictures and everything on the back of it has been cleared. So you'll see, you know, the same newspaper and back to the future is, you know, in uh, married with children, the TV show. And oh, that's funny. Yeah. It's, it's kind of interesting that way. All right. My second one is I did some searching of Pennywise's powers uh, because if there's one thing the adaptations of it have taught me, it's that nobody really knows what Pennywise can do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Now, yes. I, interestingly enough, I did have a pretty in deep, uh, in depth conversation in uh, our spoiler episode on Sith Pop, uh, which, by the way, is not Sith Pop. Uh, people thought it was maybe a Star Wars podcast in sith pop no no, it's a s-i-f-t p-o-p uh where uh my co-host andrew who's a huge stephen king fan and has read the book like three times 
tried to go into detail with, at least from the book, what Pennywise is supposed to be able to do. And that was kind of what I found when I did this search was that if you read the book in detail, you can maybe start to understand some of the world building that Stephen King did and kind of where Pennywise comes from. It's it's much more uh, celestial and, uh, you know, like alien power kind of thing. Um, but in these adaptations, there is no way you can figure this out. And so what's, nope. inter- what's interesting is we can sin Pennywise's powers and how it doesn't make sense in the thing. And then you'll have... You know, people be like, well, it kind of makes sense if you think of this from the book or this other thing. And it's just like, look, the point is, if you're just watching this, uh, you're not going to understand it. Which which most people are. I mean, I, I don't think mm-hmm. I even read the book. And I usually read all the Stephen King uh, source materials. But, yeah, I mean, there's something with the space turtle and, like, you know, yeah. going through the ether. And so, you cannot get that from the ad- – certainly not from the adaptation that just came out and certainly not from the miniseries. So you're absolutely right. Yeah, and it, and yeah. I mean, I don't. I I never get. I, I feel like they it, it's they tried to avoid the alien aspect, but then they still left some stuff in, like the the lights. Well, in in just the idea that that Pennywise appears as uh his what, what's his friend's name that's decayed, and we make a joke about the fact why didn't he just appear as him normal instead of decayed. Well, He's Belch in the in the oh yeah yeah uh, Belch right yeah. yeah so so Belch appears and hands him the knife and I'm just like so so Pennywise can just make objects now because I thought Belch was a uh, hallucination but some people are saying Belch is actually Pennywise and he's just morphed to look like Belch in that scene and then I'm like well is he actually the moon in that scene too like like I I don't understand the powers of this creature and by the way all these powers he's given should make it very easy for him to accomplish whatever he wants to accomplish whenever he wants to accomplish it mm-hmm. yeah and mm-hmm. i and i will say this i've read the book a couple times and i mean and andrew might have caught on some stuff that i didn't um but i will say one problem i have with the book though and this is stephen king uh in a lot of his stories sometimes he has this thing where he wants to have it both ways where he doesn't really want to explain it. Like some things are just evil and right. there's just evil everywhere, you know, and, um, and sometimes it just comes up and gets you basically. But then at the same time in the book, like I remember he tries to give like, like um, this is actually in the current movie, but there's the whole bit about where she's looking at those pictures of him at the circus mm-hmm. of the, over the woman, you know, saying that her, her husband, her dad was in the circus. Right. And there is this whole thing in the book where, like, I mean, they 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 give like Pennywise a name. Um, I I can't remember off the top of my head. It's like Robert something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, and, and act like maybe at one point he actually was a like a human serial killer. And I mean, but but he never really goes into it enough to where you can really understand if that's supposed to be true or if it's not. So the book itself is a little confusing too. <laughs> Yeah. So and, when they were trying to adapt it, I don't know if that became an issue and they were just kind of taking bits and pieces that they felt like might work and might, you know, I don't know. I it, it, it to me it is a testament that it that it's just kind of nonsense. And actually for the mm-hmm. book, that might be okay because if my understanding of the book is correct, it's really metaphorical. And in fact, oh, I, for sure. I, I I felt that in the first chapter of the new one. I felt that metaphor about growing up and adolescence and in some of the the different scenes from the first one. I didn't feel it as much in the second one, but 
Um, but in in a metaphor, not you know, not necessarily everything has to be spelled out like that. But but man, if you're trying to research it, I'm I'm sitting here going, okay, if I want to write a sin about this, I at least want to know where other people are coming from, right? And so I'm trying to research it, and I still couldn't really understand it. Still couldn't find anything out. Yeah. It's just that confusing. Well, and even like I don't understand either. Like you know, like when you take like the death of Georgie, like did Georgie really have to reach into the sewer for him to grab him? Like, I don't even understand. Like, they don't even explain little things like that. Like, why does he appear to some of the kids but not kill them? Well, and yeah. that's, that's the whole thing. Again, yeah. if Pennywise has— But that's not explained very well in the book either from what I remember. But like you said, because it's more metaphorical, maybe you you know, you know take it a little differently. And you're also judging these are these kids' memories. Right, right. And Pennywise really is a, a metaphorical stand-in, if I'm understanding it, for adolescence. He's a, you know, he's a, yes. he's a stand-in for your pituitary gland <laughs> in many ways. Basically, yeah. <laughs> and maybe so. that's partly why the adult doesn't work as well in the book or the movies. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you got to go with Pennywise instead of pituitary wise. I get it, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Jonathan, you made a comment, um, in one of the sins that I had written in uh, the mini series about how the hell are all these adults at the pinnacle of their career? Everybody's completely successful except for mm-hmm. Mike. And he said that there was, it was explained later on. It wasn't explained from my knowledge, in either of the the adaptations, in the rest of the miniseries, nor in this chapter two. Okay, so in the miniseries, there it's it's really quick. There's a scene where Mike makes a comment when they're in the library, like after the dinner. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Mike makes a comment to them. You know, you got out of here and became successful. And then but- they there and then you know, but he's like. And so basically they make a comment along the lines of, I don't remember exactly what they say, but he's like, you know, you were able to be successful because you left. And then I think it's like Eddie says something like, but you stayed back here and basically weren't successful. So you could protect, you know, you could, so you could be like, you know, our eyes and ears. I mean, I got that, but I didn't, I, I mean, these guys are at like the tippy top. Like Bev is like the, the, the world-class fashion designer or whatever. And, and, uh, John Ritter or, or uh, Ben yeah. is at the very top of his architectural firm. Bill is, is world famous and all that stuff. Like, it's not just like, hey, you guys worked hard and you got out of town and you're successful. Mm-hmm. My question is, is it further explained in the book that they're I mean, like I always got the pre-ordained. impression from what I remember. I read, I read the book again, like right before the first, the first, uh, the, the movie came out a couple years ago. So it's still been, it's been a couple years, but. In the book, they do kind of talk about it a little longer. Like, I think there's a scene with Mike and Bill in the book where they talk about this. But I think the idea is that Pennywise, I mean, I think, and that's another thing that's not explained in the movies. I think you're supposed to assume that Pennywise is scared of them. Right. Because he couldn't get them. So them leaving and becoming successful was almost like a gift to them so they wouldn't come back. Hmm. Hmm. That is fascinating to me because he, he keeps trying to get rid of them. In the miniseries, but in mm-hmm. the it's it's opposite in the uh, in chapter two. Without spoiling anything, basically he wants them to come back, and so yes, this character is all over the fucking place, and it drives <laughs> me insane. Now they yeah. change a lot of things. It chapter two veers from the book a lot. Now, of course, again, metaphorically, the idea that when you're an adult, like that success is. An idea of even if if you're the most successful adult, if you haven't dealt with your childhood trauma, your childhood issues, it will come back to haunt you like that. That whole metaphor 
makes sense for them all to be successful because it's saying something about adulthood, right? But yeah. uh, but again, when you're trying to actually put the story on screen, it, it becomes nonsense in some ways. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Barrett, you got another one? Yeah, I got a quick one. All right, this is inspired by a Twitter debate about what the best, like, 90s combo of alt-rock uh, 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 duo singing was. It was... Uh, Temple of the Dog, Hunger Strike, which had Eddie Vedder and Chris Cornell of Soundgarden, right? And that's a great one. I'm going hungry, going hungry, right? That was, that was fantastic. <laughs> the other choice was the Wallflower's Sixth Avenue Heartache. And I was like, what? It's, it's Jacob Dylan, who's the son of Bob Dylan. That's his band. And he's singing over himself. No, I did not realize that the singing backup was Adam fucking Duritz. From, I didn't know that either. You blew my mind Crows. when you said wow. that. Wow. You didn't know that either? How no, and I'm a Counting Crows fan. I mean, that's my whole thing. That's my whole life. My whole world has been torn asunder because <laughs> I didn't realize that, you know, Counting Crows with the, the, the hair and the wig and the dreadlocks and all that stuff. He dated Courtney Cox. Uh, he's, you know, he's got a very distinct voice. So you would think he would really stand out on this track. Mm-hmm. You know what song I'm talking about, right, Aaron? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you know this, this bit of oh, no. uh, trivia? No, not at all. Oh, my God. It absolutely, like, broke my brain for a second. And I went back and listened to it. And even, even when they're doing the, it's the same old line that was blown on you, like, you can't even recognize that it's Adam Dirtz until, like, it, there's a little subtle thing in the third verse where he's like, la, 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 la. That sounds like Adam Dirtz. <laughs> but otherwise, you could have, I could have gone my entire life without this knowledge. Yeah. So anyway, you would have been happier tab. probably, right? Because you are not an Adam Dirtz fan. <laughs> uh, I like that song a lot. Even though it's no, I'm saying you like that song. song, but you don't really. I'm talking about Counting Crows. Yes, yes, I'm yeah. not a big fan of them. Uh, uh, Jonathan, what's your uh, second keeping tabs? Um, the only other thing I really had to look up, and there is actually, I believe this then made it in, but um, there's a there's a shot of John Ritter's character. He's a uh, he's been grown up, and he's an architect, and uh, he's on the cover of Time. <laughs> oh yes, and I just thought that was <laughs> that's a very really good weird. Sense. And so I looked it up, and apparently there were 15 uh, architects have been on the cover of Time, including uh, Frank Lloyd Wright, uh, Le Corbusier, and uh, Philippe Johnson are some of the big names <laughs> to make the cover mm. of Time. There doesn't appear to be any that were very current, like as of like 1990 when that came out. But um, I mean, quick. I don't question. know. That just struck me as odd that they would have an architect. But I guess I'm just so used to Time having like. Uh, you know, different types of celebrities on it, I guess, by the time we were older. Yeah. I, to be honest, I almost made the exact same joke um, mm-hmm. because I wanted to make some joke about getting it done at like a, an amusement park, you know, where you can get your face on the cover of a magazine. <laughs> uh, kind oh, of that would have been good. Um, I didn't even think about that. But uh, no, I, I like the way that sin was phrased, though, making fun of yourself having expended that amount of research yeah. to, to yeah. undermine your own joke. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a great point. Just because, I mean, who would think? Like, can anyone name a famous architect of the modern day? Like, I mean, no. may, maybe some people can, but I just it's not something that seems to yeah, s- seep into the yeah, pop culture. Like other architects probably can. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but at the same point, a lot of people other than us wouldn't be able to name the directors of the movies they love either. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. there's levels of things we're interested in, and and people are different. But it, but it's pretty. I mean, I'm not. I mean, I, I'm not, not. I mean, architects. I mean, that's an amazing. That's an amazing ability to have. I mean, I, I can't even imagine what it takes to be an architect. But even in the new movie and this one, like they make him out to be like a like a fucking rock star. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, because, you know, like in the new one, like he's, you know, he's like sitting, you know, like all of a sudden you see him pop up on the screen and he's like, let me tell you what I think you should be doing. Yeah. Uh, big corporate big wigs. Yeah. <laughs> while I sit in my house, my my big ass house with, you know, no socks on. I mean, rings rings true for me of all the architects I've met. That's how they've all been. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. rings yeah, true for me. Like, they're just like, you know, doing coke and off women's breasts. Yep. That's, I, last time I had an architect over, I was like, quit doing yeah. coke off that woman's breast. Like, it's yeah, just, it was please. Weird. It's crazy. <laughs> he brought his own coke and, and his, his own, own woman. woman. I know. <laughs> I think we just picked the wrong profession, but we're, <laughs> we're realizing. Uh, great stuff, guys. All right, let's move on to the comment section. I want to know what you're thinking. I appreciate your honesty. You're a real straight shooter. You are the ones who are the ball lickers. All right, we're each going to pick a comment or two to respond to from the week's videos. Uh, there will also be a general feedback question in here, too. And again, if you want to send us a question, our email is behindthesinspod at gmail.com. That's behindthesinspod at gmail.com. Jonathan, why don't you kick us off this time? What's a piece of feedback that you wanted to, to talk about? I'm going to go with a comment from It miniseries, and it was Denny Pruitt, and he said Pennywise's final F you to Stan, giving him a cross over his grave. Uh, being Jewish was a huge part of his identity. And I just wanted to say, the reason I wanted to bring that up was because I did notice that, and I did actually try to write a sin about that, mm. but I don't know. It just I'm glad it never you did not, felt... but I'm, I'm, it's an interesting observation. Yeah, and I did notice that because I'm like, well, he's Jewish. Why would they have the cross? And that's what I'm saying. Like, it never really came to fruition because there was nothing I could think of that wouldn't be somewhat insulting. Yes, good decision. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was just an well, area I didn't no. really want to go to. But I, it was something I noted. Like, I was like, oh, that's weird. I think it's a great thing um, to bring up uh, in this case because there are things we notice that mm-hmm. are, you know, uh, weird observations or things. You even talked about the child acting. I think, you know, I wrote a couple sins about the child acting that we decided not to include because, you know, let's not go after kids. You know what I mean? Like, they just. Well, and, and Jonathan Brandis, just his. Well, his, that you know, and how he ended they're... up. Yeah, and even though, though they're adults now, right? You know, there, there has to be some sort of buffer. For example, uh, not to derail us too much, but for example, like we've done music video sins on artists that are you know thirteen, fourteen, or something like that. We're very, very careful. Even Billie Eilish, who's still seventeen, we're extremely careful not to get personal at all, not to make any sexual references, not to make any sort of inappropriate thing. Um, to because it's not about that. It's about the humor of the video. It's right. about the humor of the thing. That's why I'm saying Jonathan made a, a great decision because, yes, you could point that out. Yes, you can maybe find a way to make it somewhat funny, but does it really belong in our video? Right. It's kind of like you know the, where my brain goes. Yeah, so when you get a comment like that, it, it's interesting because people are noticing what we're noticing, but mm-hmm. they're – we have to operate on a kind of a different level because we got to figure out what services the video itself. Exactly. And, and what services the humor. And even if you can find a way to make it funny, there are elements that, that are periphery to the joke that can distract from the humor. And, and so sometimes mm-hmm. it's just not worth it because those distractions um, will ruin the joke or the ability to make the observation or whatever. And so, yeah, I think we do make those calls quite a bit yeah. where – it's and I mean, like, I might be kind of repeating some of the things you guys said, but yeah, I also find that even though we have the same narrator for all these, a lot of these scripts kind of have their own identity and they have their own flow. And I've even noticed that with jokes, even if it's not because they're inappropriate or 
I sometimes I just feel like they just don't fit in the flow of the script itself, which we've talked yeah. about that a little bit in the past with like short jokes versus long or short sins versus long sins. Yeah. Barrett. All right. Uh, for it, part one, Dragonflower50 says, Henry Bowers doesn't look like David Bowie. He looks like Billy Idol. Now listen, <laughs> Dragonflower50. <laughs> uh, I know both of these guys well. And I appreciate your comment, but that's fucking David Bowie. He turns him into David Bowie. This is when Henry Bowers looks into the deadlights, and for some reason, it doesn't kill this motherfucker. He just, like, freaks him out for some reason. And he turns around, and he's got this weird spiky mullet thing that's completely white. That's fucking Ziggy Stardust slash David Bowie slash Starman slash... It's fucking David Bowie. Thank you for your feedback. Oh, that's great. Uh, Fervent defense of uh, which pop star uh, it has changed him into. I love it. Uh, I'm going to go with It Chapter 2, um, or Part 2, I should say, the video for Part 2. Uh, and the comment says, Interesting that you chose to go with Blood on the Saddle from Disney's Country Bear Jamboree attraction. Uh, and that was for the uh, sentence um, at the end. Uh, the singer is country music legend Tex Ritter, who was the father of actor John Ritter. Uh, oh, useless trivia. So, yeah, I would love to say that was intentional. Uh, yeah. uh, so <laughs> I will. Just take credit for it. So man. I will. Yeah. Uh, that was completely intentional. I knew that all along. Yeah, and man. Uh, Aaron has, like, Aaron is the biggest John Ritter fan. <laughs> I don't know if you guys knew that. Um, he's got posters in his office. Yes. John Ritter from yeah. Three's Company. Life size. I'm telling you, you know, you. And from uh, Hooper. I actually really do like uh, John Ritter quite a bit. I love seriousness. Him. It's interesting, though, because during the the writing process, I had written specifically around that why is it so mean thing, because Beverly comes up to Ben, John Ritter's character, and she, like, gives him a hug and, like, gives him some love, and John Ritter goes, damn it, Bev, is it you or the clown? (laughs) And listen, you're absolutely right that John Ritter is a terrific actor. In other places during this miniseries, he's fantastic. But in that moment, I was like, god damn. Oh, what yeah, the no, hell has happened great. to the acting in this in this miniseries? I cut that sin because uh, of Aaron's sin that references during that whole uh, tracks uh, coach situation thing. You're absolutely right. I just caught him at a bad moment, and that moment was so bad. But yeah. I think overall his performance was worth the sin removal. So well, I, you, I, I appreciate that. And you know, I mean, you don't know, but you can assume in many of these cases, John Ritter is watching that and going, I had 12 better takes than that. <laughs> and that's the one you include. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's important yeah, yeah. to remember, like, there are other hands in the in the cookie jar here that can impact, you know, what's used and for what reason. It may have been, you know, that, that there were better takes that got ruined because, you know, an airplane flew over or something. It's just, <laughs> it's one of those things where, yeah, that take, for whatever reason, he wasn't on. You are the clown. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Jonathan, what's your, uh, do you have another uh, piece of feedback? Um, well, I actually will. I actually will think I will mention the one I I started to and then I stopped. But this is another one kind of similar to that with it. But it was. Um, I'm surprised they didn't add another 15 cents for the spider because it said even on the DVD commentary, all the actors agreed that the crappy effects ruined the climax. And yeah. uh, George ha- ha- Hellman said that. I will say, like, we don't directly. I don't think we just specifically say, but there is a jab at it. Like, I believe it's in the part one where we say something about, but I'm sure it won't end on, you know, terrible special effects. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that was but, in yeah, part but one. Since we did that, I it didn't, it seemed kind of weird to, you know, reference it again right when it happened. And I don't even know what you would say, like, oh, this looks like shit. 
<laughs> Which we, I mean, we've done that before, but you know, we we try to say something I a little. I better. had, I think, I had a sin that got cut that was basically, and again, you're right because it's just kind of on the nose. It's probably why it got cut, but it yeah. it was one of those things where it was just like, boy, I think I said, boy, the the '90s sure weren't a great time for special effects or something along those lines. Yeah. And there wasn't a lot there, you know, it's just, it's like, it's one of those things where, yeah, everybody can see that you're not really saying anything that, you know, somebody can't observe and it's not a hilarious way to say it. So, so yeah, it ends up on the cutting room floor. What else you got, uh, Barrett? Uh, I got one more. Okay. So Annika Pollock, uh, for the Taylor Swift lover, uh, I'm sorry, no, this is Stoke, Skolny, Skolny is the user's name, is on to me because I wrote a, a sin, uh, in the lover video, the Taylor Swift video where she's playing a blue violin. She's plucking the strings. And I said something like, uh, she watched that 1999 movie with Samuel L. Jackson with the color settings on her TV all fucked up. Knowing that nobody in the universe would get that that's a red violin reference because that movie made maybe $10. It's not really all that good. It's certainly a loss of time, especially in such a good year for, for movies. But yet, Skolny... My brother or sister says, a red violin reference. Man, that's a deep cut. God bless you, Skolny. <laughs> I remember asking that in the notes part. I was like, is this a red violin reference? <laughs> I, I love those kind of jokes. I personally have started after our discussion last week uh, where I told the starfish story. Uh, that is the common story. Uh, I have started to refer to them as starfish jokes where it just makes a difference mm. for that one. Uh, so yeah, uh, that's, that's I love a... references like that. I like, you know, like, you know, Chris said that thing last week about, you know, one person will get it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I just, I love, I love stuff like that. Yeah. So that's a beautiful starfish, beautiful starfish. Yes. Yes. Very nice. Uh, my only, oh, hold on. let me throw in, let me throw another one in real quick. Sure. Go because ahead. Because it's the same thing. Annika Pollock, uh, also commented on the same video. I, I said something about like, uh, you know, uh, the, what, what was it? Anyway, the, 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 the sin ended with her, with me saying, or with Jeremy saying, uh, you know, the, all that shit is going out of style, right? And I threw that in very, very late at the very end of that sin as a reference to her previous song, Style, uh, which I think is about Harry Styles, by the way. But then Annika Pollock, uh, Dog Ears, uh, that she says, uh, was that a style joke at a minute 50? And you are correct, Annika Pollock. Nicely done, Annika Pollock. <laughs> Nicely yes. done. Uh, the only other one I had was not from one of the videos. It was from Twitter, uh, and it's an ongoing conversation we're having about British swear words. Uh, and he nice. wanted to weigh in as a Brit uh, about the word scrubber that we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. And he says, he says, scrubber isn't a swear word here, but it's basically a slut sat, uh, slash slag with no class. So there's a one-two punch to it. Uh, it's like white trash Uh, slut so you probably will get a slap for calling someone it uh, when you're out and there's alcohol involved um, but feel free to add slag or slapper to your vernacular Uh, they are variations on the theme so i i I assumed wrong then when you said when you were talking about it last week that it wasn't quite as dark as i thought it was correct yeah it does sound like it, it definitely has that tinge to it that but that there's there's also a low class element to it um mm-hmm. so yeah and i don't know that there's an american version of that word really like there is there is yeah. there isn't something that does both of those things so i don't know what that says about the uh, i don't know american that was the original title like I'm a writer. Uh, 
for uh, Taylor Swift's most recent song. It was your my 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 scrubber. <laughs> <laughs> Telling you, there's something going on behind those eyes, man. She's crazy. That is perfect. That is that's the that's the British version. That's how they'll release it in the UK. That, that, there's the music from behind Taylor Swift scrubber song. <laughs> uh, that's great. All right, let's move on to the question for the week. Uh, I wanted to use this one because we got Barrett on and we got this in the email again. That's behind the scenes pod at gmail.com comes from Nash says, hello, my name is Nash, and I've been a longtime supporter and subscriber of all things Cinema Sins. Let me first start out by saying I think the podcast is incredible, and I love how all of your personalities meld so well together. Uh, but I do have a quick question that I have wondered about, specifically regarding music video sins, and thought you might be able to answer. How do the MVS videos get chosen, and how long does it take for a video to be finished? Is Barrett the one making the call, and which videos go out when? The question popped up because there was an MVS video for Ariana Grande's boyfriend that came out recently but the music video itself had just come out maybe a week prior i'm assuming you have a few videos lined up in advance which is why i was surprised to see that one so fast do you sometimes fast track certain videos uh once again thank you so much for all you do at cinema sins your content is fantastic but you also seem like such genuine people and i feel honored to follow you all uh thank you nash really appreciate those kind words well barrett this one is for you man um what do you uh, answer some of those questions and if you need me to repeat them i can uh, no, I've got them. And the answer is yes. We do fast track uh, some videos, um, especially these motherfuckers, man, they'll put out three videos on the same day, on the same hour, all the same time. Mm-hmm. It'll be that just happened this Friday. Camila Cabello, Billie Eilish, Lil Nas X, Miley Cyrus, Melanie Martinez. I'll even talk about that later on. But like all these people put out videos all at the same time. And when you know that a video is going to be successful and it's really interesting and it's with an artist that we've done before, yes, we'll, we'll fast track that. We'll write the sins video, uh, the, the, the script over the weekend. And I got to hand it to our editors again, and especially Jeremy, uh, being willing at the drop of the hat to, mm-hmm. you know, do narration for the editors to get it all together. You know, the, a lot of times they're waiting on me to get the script done. So Yes, there are videos that just kind of by necessity or by clearance or whatever the the the, the case is, we do have to fast track. Um, but in general, I try to build the schedule out to be somewhat cohesive. Um, the last month we did kind of internal tent poles with music from behind. So with the Jonas Brothers music from behind, we released um, we released their cool video uh, the same week. With Cardi B, we released their her new press video. So I kind of like uh, got got together with Billie Eilish. We did uh, one of her songs too. So we're trying to do that. Uh, in general, though, we we try to plan ahead. But man, it's so dynamic. There's new stuff coming out all the time. There's a lot of new stuff coming out all the time. I have a million classic videos that I want to get to. If it were up for me, if it were up to me, I would do a classic video, two of them every week. How how about how long does it take? from start to finish on a script process specifically for music video sins in this case i kind of know the answer in general for other things but i wonder if it's different for for mvs because that's part of the question too is like a kind of a curiosity about the the length of the process and how that works and you know how far ahead we have to work it's the craziest fucking thing man because there are some videos that i can knock out a script within under an hour now, that's very, very rare, but sometimes it just flows out, and I feel like we're hitting. I feel like everything is has the proper beats and all that stuff. I can do it sometimes distracted, like with the dogs running around and my family running around and all that stuff, 
and just be focused on it. Other times it can take almost like four or five hours or something like that, even more. Sometimes you got to research. Sometimes you got to cross check, especially if we're doing like a K-pop group that I'm not familiar with. I got to research names, not only names, but names in Korean. And then yeah, that lyrics. was always my favorite. Yeah. And then lyrics and then lyrics in Korean and then uh, Romanized lyrics in Korean. And then you have to subtitle those and all that stuff. So yeah, there's sometimes where it takes a very, very long time, but sometimes, um, what did I just do recently? The, well, it was the Taylor Swift video, actually. Uh, she released it the day before I wrote the Sin script. And that was just one that, like, it just popped. It just kind of came out. And uh, I'm a big fan of when those happen. I don't know that people would think of it this way because what we do is a bit different than, you know, kind of comedy writing and other avenues or aspects. But in many ways, it's it's kind of the same. It, it, your writing process can be affected by so many things, right? Your writing process can be affected by the mood you're in. It can be affected by what previous kind of creative work you've had to do in the day up to that point. Um, you know, and I'm sure everybody's different, but... Yeah, sometimes a script just feels like it's just like pouring out of you because, you know, it's just it's meant to be. And other times you're just having to drag it out of you. That's just <laughs> normal writing, right? Like that just happens with all sorts of writing. Yep. Well, in working on MBS, I can say that the big difference between MBS and Cinema Sins and TV Sins, it, well, one of the big differences, and Barrett already touched on this, but we know release dates for TV shows and movies well in advance. And for the most part, those stay the same. I mean, Chris explained on this show a few weeks ago about the the boy, uh, the sequel to the boy got moved, and we had to kind of throw something in really quick. But for the most part, with Cinema Sins and TV Sins, we can work on these things weeks before um, and actually give ourselves so we're not so we're not as easily distracted. Like you can work thirty minutes or an hour a day on one thing, you know, for a couple days. Whereas music video sense, sometimes, like Barrett was saying, I mean, it would get changed. A couple days before it needed to be um, locked. Yeah, we got to go. We got to get nimble. There was one person a long time ago that tried to corral us. Uh, this was even before Jonathan started working with us. And uh, mm-hmm. this person was was very cracking the whip. Like the schedule has to be done right now, and it has to be this way and that kind of thing. And that didn't work very <laughs> well because we have to be dynamic in this uh, on this channel. You have to be able to to follow what comes up. Um, you know, as much as possible. I mean, I, it'll take a few days to a week to get something done. There's some times where we get some copyright issues, uh, in which case we have to go to plan C or plan D. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> I love this channel just because we can really do whatever we want to. Um, and, and we're a little bit of like the, the redheaded stepchild. So are you saying that that MVS is the Ed Sheeran of the uh, the Cinema Sins universe, <laughs> or <laughs> Prince Harry, or Prince Harry? Who knows? Uh, all right, let's move on to Beyond the Sins to Infinity and Beyond. Somewhere beyond my wildest dream to boldly go where no man has gone before. We're going to chat about something else from the pop culture world that we've seen recently. Uh, it can be good, bad, uh, ugly, whatever. Um, I'll start this time. Uh, I wanted to mention Dear White People Season 3 is out on Netflix. Um, And I Mm. feel like this show is so buried by Netflix. I'm somebody who watched all of Season 1 and Season 2, enjoyed it, although I don't know that there's a way for Netflix to tell that I enjoyed it. Uh, But it was nowhere on my home screen, Season 3, even though it came out last week. Um, no, the fact that you watched both seasons in full should tell them that you, right. you at least partially enjoyed it. Right? I don't know if they're trying to bury it. I literally had to go to search 
in search for Dear White People uh, to be able to see season three. Uh, I'm about five episodes in. Uh, I will say I do not like the season as much as I like the first two seasons. There's there's some interesting tone things going on in this season where the show is embracing a little more of its ridiculous sense of humor, which is okay with me. I like it. I like funny. That's good. But one of the things I really liked about the first two seasons of this show was just how dynamic the racial conversations were. Um, and it's all it feels all to me from an African-American perspective. And that's what I always love is to hear somebody else's what they see through their eyes. Um, and this show does that so well. And it, I think it's very accessible. I think it's uh, beautifully written. I think the character work is, is good in it. Um, so if you've never checked out Dear White People, I would highly recommend at least checking out the first season. And the seasons feel pretty distinct to me. I think you could, you know, watch you know, season one and be done and that'd be fine. Like you're not going to um, feel like you have to keep watching it. But I think if you do watch season one, you might want to keep watching it. Yeah, I'm it's going something to. I want to see. I've seen, I saw the movie like when it came out. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm glad that you made that recommendation because I I haven't really heard people talking about it, and I'm glad that it it does uh, resonate with you because that's something that I would be interested in. Um, Gia, uh, Giancarlo Esposito is really the only big name involved, um, and he does kind of the narration, uh, and that becomes a bigger role uh, during season three. Uh, but the performances, even though they're people you probably haven't heard about before, are really good. Logan Browning, uh, as the main character is just so dynamic, so likable. Um, she's great. Uh, Brandon Bell is great. Uh, there's just, it's a really great cast, even though you haven't really heard of many of these people before. So, uh, high recommend for me. Uh, Jonathan, what do you got? Turner Classic Movies is doing this thing this month where they're celebrating, a uh, hundred years of United Artists. Uh, United Artists, of course, was the it was founded in 1919, and it was by uh, Mary Pickford, D. W. Griffith, uh, Charlie Chaplin, and Douglas Fairbanks. Mm. It was a actor actress owned studio, and then of course it eventually became MGM United Artists and all that fun stuff. So they're celebrating the hundred years of the hundred year anniversary this month, and uh, on every Wednesday in September, they're just kind of picking some of the. Um, Oscar nominated, Oscar winning, just what a lot of people consider like the classic films from that studio. But the thing I wanted to talk about was on Thursdays, they're doing James Bond. And this started the last week. I should have talked about it last week, but I didn't realize it was happening at that time. So, but it started um, on set. Uh, what would that have been? That would have been September 5th was the first night. And you could still probably catch that. Like if you have access to the watch TCM app or if you have on demand, uh, they usually keep the stuff up for a week or two. Um, but they're starting with Dr. No, and they're going through, I believe, Die Another Day over the four weeks. <laughs> and um, they're showing them in the order of release. Oh, my um, God. They're even going to include the, 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 the shitty ones. They're going all, they're completionists. They're going all the way through? Yeah, they're showing, well, they're not showing the Daniel Craig, but they're showing the other 20. Wow. Um, so uh, James Bond, just for reference, is probably my favorite franchise. If oh, it's nice. not, it's very close. I'm not saying there aren't bad movies. There definitely are. But I think that even the bad ones have interesting things to watch. Maybe not some of the bad Pierce Maybe Brosnan. not Die Another Day. <laughs> yeah, maybe not Die Another Day. Maybe not that one. But um, but like a lot of the silly Roger Moore ones are still fun to watch. But I don't know. if I, I just know I talk to a lot of people on Twitter that Daniel Craig is the only Bond they know. Um, those are the only Bond films they've watched. 
Um, I do think there's a lot of other Bond films that have merit and are worth watching. And this is just a great way to be able to watch them. And um, like I said, they're showing them in order. So it's just kind of a fun, um, you know, marathons that they're doing all through the month of September. So I, I thought I'd mention that. I may have to check that out. I am I am uh, severely, unfortunately, deficient in my Bond knowledge. Uh I have watched all the ones of my lifetime, um, mm-hmm. uh, but I have not gone back and watched many of the older ones, just a couple here or there. So yeah. I, I really should take some time to, to catch up. Yeah, and the Sean Connery ones are almost all pretty solid. There is some problematic um, <laughs> well, yeah. subject matter and oh, yeah. treatment of people. <laughs> yeah, of um, course. But as far as like a spy adventure film goes, um, those are all pretty solid. Roger Moore is about 50-50. Um, I personally think Timothy Dalton's underrated. I think both of his are pretty top-notch. Um, and then, you know, Brosnan. Brosnan was fine in the role, but they just they only made one good one. Yeah. What about Lazenby? <laughs> oh, God damn it. Um, that, is, that is a good one. That's actually the one I've seen the least, though. I, well, no, that's not true. I've only seen Die Another Day once. Um, <laughs> I know the song. I know the theme song. Yeah, Madonna. but of the older ones, Honor, Majesty, Secret Service is the one I've only seen a couple times. But I do, I do remember liking. I'm really looking forward to watching that one again. I my favorite Bond movie is uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Mm-hmm. That's my. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, my you're going Ian Fleming. Yeah, <laughs> is Bond actually? He's not a character in that. No, movie. no, he's not. But yeah. they did name the female lead truly scrumptious, so you can tell Ian Fleming is. <laughs> it, man, it is I read that book when I was young, and I've I, I haven't seen that movie since I was a kid. But I don't remember much about it. But I do, yeah, I, I did remember Ian Fleming wrote that. All right, Barrett, uh, what you got? Okay, so I mentioned that there was a glut of music videos that were released yeah. on Friday of last week. So all those ones that I listed, Little Nas X, Miley, Camila, Billie Eilish. And then there was one uh, from this, uh, this woman, Melanie Martinez, who's a pop singer that we've done a million of her videos. Um, and they've done really, really well because she's got a rabid fan base. Very interesting singer, very quirky, very, a lot of disturbing imagery in her videos. Um, and, uh, you know, she's, she's a very in, interesting character. Weirdly enough, she rose to prominence on the TV show The Voice, Mm -hmm. uh, which is she's certainly not somebody that you would think would be mass marketed. Okay, so she drops a video, I'm saying in quotes, uh, on Friday, and I'm like, well, we should probably do that at some point. It's called K through 12, and and it's subtitled The Film. I was like, ah, whatever. I see that it's a minute 32. I'm like, "Ah, I can get done with that quick. Click on it. It's an hour 32 minutes and seven seconds. <laughs> she released a motherfucking film. And so I was like, man, I don't, I don't know if I want to sit through a whole film. She, I like her music, but like, is it really interesting enough? And I sat through that film and I liked it. It's really good. It's <laughs> great. I'll check that out. It's very good. She's, I mean, she's not relying on her acting chops or anything like that. It's very much in the, in the mode of your, your, your musical based uh, movies like Pink Floyd's The Wall, uh, Song Remains the Same, or, you know, uh, uh, Tommy, The Who's Tommy, very much like that. There's little, you know, vignettes in between the music videos, essentially, and it's about going to school and all the issues that surround, you know, the personal lives of all the, the, the students, the uh, interpersonal conflict between bullies and between, you know, people with all sorts of eating disorders and issues and addictions and stuff like that. It's really good. I would totally recommend it. It's on YouTube. It's free. Watch it. Uh, what should people search for to go watch it? 
Just go to uh, it's uh, Melanie Martinez uh, K through twelve or K dash twelve, um, and uh, very 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 interesting. She's got, man, she's <laughs> she's got. I one recommend song. checking out her music. Her music's very interesting. Yeah, she's got uh, one song, High School Sweethearts, that is one of the funnier slash goodest songs <laughs> that I've I've heard in a long time. Uh, very over dramatic, uh, intentionally. And uh, yeah, she's she's somebody to keep your eye on because she's certainly not you know operating within the confines of the normal system. I worked on what might have been the last video of hers we did. Was it Mad Hatter? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, that is it. I still listen to that song. That's been a couple years, but I still listen to that song. Not I mean not frequently, but I still that's one I go to. That's a go to song for me these days. Yeah, yeah. She she's very talented. Um, very good songwriter. And her visuals are arresting. So, yeah, I'd totally recommend this. Very nice. Very unique. Dear White People, uh, James Bond Marathon, and uh, Melanie Martinez K-12. through Sounds like all recommends from all three of us this week. So uh, Yeah, you guys both have, like, very um, empowering, like, you know, cutting edge, um, non-sexist and racist (laughs) material. I recommended the exact opposite of that. Well, you just got to remember, you know, back back in the '60s, womanizing and sexism that was that was really awesome. That was just really awesome stuff back and, then. And apparently, so. still in the '90s, it was. Apparent, apparently yeah, as yeah. well. Unfortunately. All right, that's going to do it for behind the scenes this week. Uh, don't forget to make sure you are subscribed and go ahead and leave a comment in rating as well. Uh, you can hang out with us on Twitter. I'm at Aaron Dicer. The vacationing today is at Danae says uh, he is at Sam Loomis thirteen and. A big thank you for Barrett uh, coming on this week and hanging out with us and give us giving us the scoop on the music thank you. video. Sins. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You've and got thank, to- thank you too. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we've we've got thousands of listeners, Barrett. You 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 cut that way short. Uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, your new podcast. You want to let people know about uh, Fifty Fifty and what's going yeah. on there. I've always been into music, as you can probably uh, surmise. And a buddy of mine who you've probably heard at some point. No, I guess he hasn't been on the show. A buddy of mine, a buddy of ours, is uh, Mike Hester, who's one of the most knowledgeable people about indie music in particular that I've ever met. So we're starting this podcast called 5050, 5-0-slash-the-word-50. And uh, we're going to talk about music. I'm going to give him the perspective from the the popular music, uh, which he doesn't get into at all. And he's going to give me the updates from the indie perspective, which I used to, but I'm not really connected to anymore. So we're going to inform each other. We're going to talk about things. We're going to uh, examine the state of popular music versus indie music, specific bands. We're going to turn each other on to songs. And it's very exciting. We've already recorded a couple episodes, and I'm digging it. I'm digging and listening to it, even though I did it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, and you're not you're not wrong, man. Uh, Mike knows his indie stuff. I've known this dude for 20 plus years, and yeah. he has turned me on to so many bands and singers I never would have even, I never would have known. So uh, I believe the first episode is dropping this week. So go awesome. uh, to Apple Podcasts or wherever you podcast, enter in 550 slash 50, the word, and uh, it'll be presented by CinemaSense, or it'll have the CinemaSense banner underneath it. And subscribe, listen, and enjoy. Very nice. 50-50. Again, that's the number slash the word. 50-50. So for Jonathan Watkins, Barrett Share, and myself, we will see you next week. Thanks for listening. Send any feedback to BehindTheSinsPod at gmail.com. 
and be sure to subscribe or message us at Twitter and be sure to visit cinemasins.com. Check it, check, 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 check. Why do our microphone checks always end up in the outtakes? Are you lonely in the studio? I'm so lonely. Halfway up the stairs is the stair where I sit. <laughs> is that from the Team America song? Uh, no, that's that's a Muppets thing. That's uh, oh. it's what's Kermit's Kermit's nephew, right? Um, <laughs> who is that? Like. Like Lenny or something? What's no, who's Halfway Up the Stairs. You've never heard Halfway Up the Stairs? I think I have. I think I have. It's got amazing lyrics. Like, it's not at the bottom, it's not at the top, but Halfway Up the Stairs is the stair where I stop. It's just, it's, it's beautiful. Delightful. Robin. It's Rob- Robin the Frog. Robin the Frog sings it. Audio hardware, Yeti. Yeti. Yeti, Yeti, Yeti. It looks like I'm recording. <laughs> <laughs> That's my WB Frog voice. Hello, Hello my baby. baby. Hello, Hello, my honey. Honey. Hello, Hello, my rectum girl. Normally, when I'm doing the music from behind, I do yeah. it in the closet. But I realized that there is no air conditioning vent in there whatsoever. And so the last one that I did was like a four-pager or something like that. So it took about 20 to 30 minutes. I was fucking like, like I got out of a sauna or something like mm-hmm. that. I was just, oh, it was awful. Yeah, no, I used to record my voiceover stuff in a closet uh, back in the day, and it would get so wetty. Who's cool. providing the estrogen in the, the room today? Oh, that'd be me. That'll, that'll okay. definitely be me. Well, I'm currently lactating, so I <laughs> well, figured maybe it would it's be you me. then. Where'd they, they go to Florida? Yeah, they're in Florida having a good time. Check, cool. Checking out all the Floridian stuff. All the, all the hot Florida action. That's right. <laughs> I bet it is hot. I mean, people like if I watched some of that Florida State game, and I mean, it looked like people were like wet. <laughs> I mean, you could like see the sweat on people's faces. Oh, right, yeah. sweat. Yes, I just thought you meant it was a really exciting game. I've my brain has turned to mush after watching so much football this weekend. I watched a lot of football. So what's this so what's your like college football is your thing or pro football or or which I, or both? I love both equally. Okay, Barrett. I think I like the NFL better because you get oh, yeah, fantasy involved NFL, and then you yeah. get, you know, everybody is pretty, like everybody's good. Right. It's not like, you know, you're not going to have a huge disparity between, you know, Tim's typewriting school versus Alabama or mm-hmm. something like that. I'm so ready for college football to just do a 16 team tournament and just figure it out. Like, well, they need to at least do an eight. Yeah. And I think they will. But they've got to wait because this contract's like, you know, eight years or something. Stupid contracts. Just tear them up. Stupid. They're stupid. A lot of people making money off this, so they got to. What? Money? Come on. Money never gets in the way of anything. Um, Okay, one more bone to pick with you, uh, Barrett, before we get into the show. Pick a bone. Uh, How did you give up on Succession? It's like the best thing on television. I kind of had a feeling that you would like that uh, show. Like, what is, like. I haven't seen it yet. I, I was trying to, because how many episodes did you watch? Two. Two episodes, okay. So, and if I'm reading your response correctly, it's that you didn't have any likable characters that you wanted to spend time with. Definitely the last part. I, th- there weren't any characters that I wanted to spend time with. Now, right. I don't mind if they're not likable. I think the, the, the Righteous Gemstones has a similar type of 
cast, and I right. think that's hilarious. And I and I root for like the Adam Devine character and stuff like that. So you that. like gemstones? I do. Uh, but with I Succession, and I I'm sure that it develops and it, it gestates and all that stuff. And maybe it doesn't. Maybe you're just cheering for antiheroes and all that stuff. But for me, like, it just got to have some part of somebody to to connect with. Because otherwise, you're just watching billionaires do billionaire shit. And, yeah, that can be entertaining. I liked the first episode of Billions, but I did not like Succession. Um, Is this the one with uh, Hannibal Lecter from Manhunter? Yeah. I can't yeah. think of his name. Brian Cox. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I've not watched the show yet. It looked interesting. I think I, I think I understand what you're saying, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out. Like, you want a rooting interest, is what I hear you saying. Then, like, there's something to get you invested in the show, something to motivate you. Uh, some sort of emotional investment. Like, if every right. fucking body is a scumbag, mom is ter- or stepmom is terrible. Yeah. Even like the the libertine uh, fucking Kieran Culkin character is terrible. Like, hey, everybody's ca- terrible. I think my rooting interest is comeuppance. I think that's that's what draws me back is the idea that this web of awful people are going to do themselves in. Uh, and that continues to show itself in different ways. And it kind of it's the other side of the coin for me of why I don't get into like Scorsese's gangster ouvre mm-hmm. uh, because I have this thing where I can I can tell he wants to give us a rooting interest in these bad people right and so I'm like I, I don't want I, I want them you know to to have the natural comeuppance of their actions instead of you know being excited by their actions whereas with mm. succession it's like you can tell the show has a point of view on their actions and it's that their actions are awful uh, mm-hmm. and that there will be comeuppance uh, down the line so it's I don't know. That's kind of where that's what motivates me each week to like, oh, I got to see the new episode of Succession. It's like I got to see how they're trying to backstab each other and play each other and, you know, get to the you know new thing or whatever. Uh, and uh, and how that's going to backfire on each and every one of them at some point. Um, Did you like Vice? Uh, the movie Vice? Yeah. 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 The, OK, so, so this I, I feel like Adam McKay's type of point of view is is appealing to you yeah because he's heavily involved in succession right yeah yeah i think that's yeah. right i think that's fair yeah i think so and i did not like i thought it was very heavy-handed uh on vice i thought it was way too heavy-handed but right. it de- definitely did have a point of view it just wasn't one that i wanted to watch and i think that's the same <laughs> thing with succession i, I love that i still sense. haven't seen vice but i did see the big short i enjoyed that for the most part oh yeah that, that makes awesome. sense Anyways, I wanted to have that conversation with you uh, since I heard you talk about it on the Sincast because I just kind of wanted to pick your brain on it a little bit. And I think that makes a lot of sense. I think I get where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah. we used to tell a lot of insert your favorite group to demean here jokes. You know, like uh, you could be about if you're a Michigan fan, it could be about Ohio State fans. You know, those kind of things where you just want to demean a certain group of people or whatever. Oh, yeah. Or you could like you'd have like you'd replace lawyers with doctors. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. was like that bottom of the ocean joke. I don't remember exactly how that went, but I remember some people would say doctors, some people would say lawyers, some people would say much worse stuff. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, Good like times. like I, I do for whatever reason, some of those do stick in my brain. Like the uh, the I'll just use Ohio State fans. Uh, so the reason that it took the Ohio State fans um, five hours to get to the football game is because every few miles a sign would say "clean restrooms ahead," and so they stopped and did. Uh. <laughs> I've never heard that. That's that's amazing. I'm definitely going to tell my wife that because she hates Ohio State. All right, all right. You assholes are being assholes. Fuck off.
That's Perry, right? Does Wicked bark? Sorry is that. is Perry a Phineas and Ferb reference? Yes. That's great. Uh, we all named Wicked. We were going to call him Wampa because... Like, fuck! <laughs> uh, he looks more like a Wampa than he does an Ewok, but mm-hmm. Wampa's... Like, any picture I pulled up of a Wampa, like, had blood running down its, <laughs> like, its <laughs> mouth, so I was like, all right, fine. <laughs> anyway, that should be okay now. Sorry. Bark, bark, bark. <laughs> bark! Bark, bark, bark! <laughs> bark, bark! Just like, eat your yeah. wow wookie. <laughs> I have a you no know, uh, that that annoyed me in it too. You guys have both seen it too, right? Yeah. Is anybody talking about it for their uh, for their Beyond the Sins this week? Well, we're going to do a mini pod for it. it um, but I'm, yeah, and they're tomorrow. doing a mini pod. So so tomorrow. so we won't talk about it during the show. We'll just do a little pre show chat can if about you want to. I'm just no saying, no no. The, the I, it's one, fine if nobody's oh, no, chosen. Yeah, it. let's. I mean, we can definitely talk about it. The one annoying thing is that uh, there were a bunch of annoying one. things. Yeah yeah. But, like, when they do the around-the-table thing and Bill Hader's making fun of Eddie's mom and he does the Chewbacca thing, or not the Chewbacca, the Jabba the Hutt thing, where like, you don't worry about that thing. Like, that's yeah. a bit that he does, Bill Hader does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, do you really have to do, like, a bit that your actor actually is famous for doing? What? I was going to say, and he was basically playing Bill Hader, right? I mean, he was like a con. I don't know if Bill Hader's a stand-up, but I mean. I mean, no, I don't think so. I think he was playing the Richie character. Yeah, and, and I think he did really well. That was just one of the times that it completely took me out of the movie because I was like, "What?" The f-? Yeah, let me explain that. I think he, I think he was great. That the tweet, what I meant by that was that it was just it was a shitty written character. I totally agree, Jonathan. Okay. Yeah. I, I, in fact, I said I don't know if you've listened to to Sif Popper, but I, my, I haven't had a chance. I haven't yet. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. My thing is, I think it's it's very much thinnest kid at Fat Camp. I think Hater's great in it, yeah. but because the that movie is so much trash all over the place, like I, I, it has been a long time since I despised the movie as much as the second. Uh, <laughs> Maybe we should talk about this. <laughs> well, I talked about we'll it on have, We'll Sif talk Pop, about but... it on Sif Pop. We'll talk about it on Sincast, <laughs> well, and we'll talk about it here. Fuck it. Well, we can, we can put you, it in the you outtakes. You did not like the first one, though, right, Aaron? Or you thought I it did. was fine? I, I thought the first one was, was good. I, oh, okay. I, I thought you didn't like well, it. Well, the first one, I think the second one went back on everything I liked about the first one. Um, yep. and, that's, and that's hard for me. And what I said at the beginning of Sif Pop was, if you are a horror movie fan, don't listen to a word I'm about to say, because it comes from a non-horror <laughs> movie fan, right? So, but I'm a horror movie fan, and I hated it. <laughs> oh, so. you hated it, too. Oh, that makes me oh, feel yeah, a little no, better. Oh, yeah, no, I despised it. I thought it was terrible um i just i the i could not get on the same wavelength tone wise as that movie i tried i promise you the the there is a that vomiting moment i thought all of a sudden we were in a wayans brothers scary movie i was like what is going on here i i like is this a parody did i miss the memo is is yeah the attempts at comedy are are really bad oh the knife in the cheek the bathroom scene i'm just like Mm mm-hmm what what is going on here? I, I could I could not figure it out. It just no. It was like it was like Troll Two levels of yes. insanity with like a really big budget and a really good cast. Yes, and the, the other thing about the good cast is like Chastain and uh, McAvoy are fine. They're great. You can tell they're great actors, right? Mm-hmm. But nothing worked to get. Like I didn't feel like I wanted to hang out with that group of friends as adults. Like it didn't feel like they wanted to hang out together. It didn't. Like I thought mm-hmm. the miniseries had better chemistry than these guys did. Like it yeah, was. I agree. I agree. It was. It was rough. And hey, I mean, well, and it was just like the, none of the moments are earned. Um, 
Hader's character, Richie, and then the guy who played Eddie, whose name I can't think of right now, he was really good. And they had some moments towards the end that were funny, but at the same time, you're like, where did this relationship oh, come from? Oh, yeah, and, spo- and obviously, spoiler alert right now, if you haven't seen it and you don't want to know any of this stuff, I mean, you're already at the end of the podcast, you know? Yeah. Um, maybe we'll just make this the last outtake. But I, I, it was one of those things where, okay, so he's a homosexual and he has a, a gay crush on his friend, right? That's what the... the car- okay, so he was supposed to be gay, I right? Because that so. was another thing. They kind of hint at that and then they don't mention it again. I, yeah, what is up with that? Like, make that a thing if it's it going to be a pretty thing. pretty clear that he's, that he's gay. From the beginning? But I mean, the only scene is that thing with Pennywise. I mean, I guess I just felt like they were going to come back to that. And it's fine they didn't, because I don't think he is in the book. They, I don't think they mentioned that in the book. Of course, that book was written in like 83, so he probably wasn't. But um, I've seen a lot of people defending it by saying, well, that's the worst part of the book, which technically it is. But I don't know. I don't understand how that, that okays the movie. <laughs> well, at least they what's, didn't. What's the worst part of the book? Well, they're saying that the adults is the worst part of the book, oh. which I guess it is, but it's still good in the book. At least they didn't. And it's uh, not good in the movie. And furthermore, I mean, he changed a lot of stuff, which is fine. I don't give a crap. But I just find oh, that to be oh. – that's an odd defense. Don't even, don't even get me started on – I think a on, lot of people are phantom menacing this thing. Don't even get me started on the plot of this movie and the the stupid, stupid urn thing that they had to go get tokens for that meant absolutely nothing in the end. Yeah, and that's not really something that's in the book. I mean, there's kind of a variation on that, but it's it's not that. And yeah, and I don't and I don't care like I'm not really that strict on adaptations. As long as it's a good movie, it's a good movie. I don't I can always separate, but sure. like I just that's just a weird defense. I just feel like a lot of people are 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 defending this and like it feels to me like a lot of people didn't really like it but they don't want to admit they didn't like it because of the first one. Well, you know, they you you want to get a big budget you know, uh, effort at your thing. Like, that's awesome. Like, people are feeling good that yeah. they gave it a big budget effort at their thing. But I think Chapter 2, man, it was a swing and a miss for me. No, and the, and the more I think about it, the more I dislike it. So it's... Man, I love that first one so much that I want to go back and watch it again. Yeah. To get yeah, some yeah, of I magic. really, I really do dig the first one. And I don't think this takes away from that one at all. It's still... No. I mean, I think that one can work on its own. I just, I was so sad. Again, you can go listen to Sif Pop if you want, like my in-depth stuff. But I was just so sad that the first one was so clever about how it subverted horror tropes. And this one just did horror tropes. And it was just like, (laughs) I I just, I was so sad that because all of a sudden they went from daylight horror to dark room, Mm -hmm. jump scares, coming out from corners, stuff going on in the background, all the usual horror stuff that every horror movie does. And it was just like... Pennywise had one-liners. Yeah. Yes, that as well. Um, Barrett might get this more than you, because I'm assuming you haven't watched the Nightmare on Elm Street films, but... There's a, which I mean, you can cut this out too, I guess, but there's, I just wanted to mention, there's that thing at the end where on the marquee it says Nightmare on Elm Street 5 is playing because it's 1989. And I thought that was interesting because the whole time I was sitting there thinking, holy fuck, they turned Pennywise into Nightmare on Elm Street sequel Freddy. <laughs> because he's oh, like, yeah. he's being goofy and silly and he's got like one liners. And, and then also the, um, the set pieces were very much in the vein of like a Nightmare on Elm Street film, like where like they were almost like nightmare sequences. I'll uh, I'll I'll finish my thoughts with a couple of things I thought were good. Uh, I thought the homophobia stuff at the beginning was really powerful um, mm-hmm. and very affecting, and something that I think for a broader audience is uh, I, I I watched people in my Middle America theater 
react to that, to react to both the the man-on-man kiss at the beginning and then also the direct awful homophobia after that. And I could almost sense them in their cognitive dissonance between those two things and their two reactions. I I just think that was a really powerful um, opening scene. I didn't understand. Now, reading reviews and stuff like that, those, those kids were supposed to be teenagers. Um, because were, I didn't understand I like why. Students. I thought they were in their 20s. Yeah, me too. But they looked like they were in their 20s. They looked like they're full-ass grown men. That's and what I thought. And I was thought. like, doesn't, doesn't Pennywise just eat kids? What, what, yeah, I got what's up with about this? that, too. And that's you know, not even to say how, how loose and fast they play with the rules about when he can kill and when he oh, can't yeah. kill and when yeah. he's not even trying to kill and all that bullshit. But that one... Really, I was like, "Oh wow, am I supposed to be scared? He's not a kid." Oh yeah, okay. But yeah, I yeah, agree. No, no, that was that was very 30. powerful. Yeah, I I, I really like the power <laughs> of that first scene. They were thirty minimum. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if they're yeah. supposed to be teenagers, that's ridiculous. I mean, that's almost <laughs> as bad as like Grease. Like they might as well just had Stalker Channing playing a teenager. Yeah. They've got like gray stubble and all that shit. Yeah. <laughs> or what's her name on nine hundred two one zero that was like thirty two when they were shooting that show? Um, yeah. It's like uh, St- the Steve Buscemi gif from uh, yeah. from uh, Thirty Rock. Yes. How do you do, fellow younglings? Yes, exactly. No, well, but Hater's good. The movie looks good. I mean, it's you know the budget's there on screen. Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, uh, and Skarsgård is good. Oh, like, that, that I just was it. The, it was Skarsgård. They, they turned Pennywise into something I didn't like, but he's effective. Yeah, Skarsgård is a sinister genius. Like he's he's doing great work with his face. I want to see him do other stuff. Which yeah. he was in that first season of Castle Rock, which was yeah, which was really good until the last episode. Well, very cool. Uh, yeah, I'll throw that in as a little outtake mini review at the end. Um, oh, and I'm sorry, but the one more thing the uh, the they kept referencing to um, Bill's books having shitty endings got on my last nerve. <laughs> You're right. One time it's a nice little clever yeah. wink and a nod. You do it seven times, and it's like, okay, we get it. <laughs> uh, it was like if we had like that Dean Koontz joke we made right. in, uh, in the mini- if we had made that ten times. Yeah, yeah. Great Stephen yeah. King cameo though. Yeah, I thought that was yeah. good. That was one of his best by far. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I thought he was good. Oh, hello, everybody. Welcome to a secret segment at the end of the podcast with me. That's right. I snuck into the studio because I'm supposed to be on vacation, but I'm not really on vacation. I just wanted to take the day off. That's right. I'm not really in Florida with my family. I'm in the studio. Can you tell? Because the microphone is so profesh. No? Yeah, no. Seriously, I am in Florida. Um, super testing this new microphone. Hope it's working well. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to send a recording and kind of test this new piece of equipment out and let you guys know that I am bummed that I'm not in the studio to talk about Sons of Anarchy and the other cool things happening in the CinemaSins universe. I definitely have thoughts on Sons of Anarchy, although I'm pretty sure that the guys already covered it. I don't actually know what they think about the show. To be honest, I didn't ask Aaron or I didn't ask Jonathan or Barrett what they think about the show. So hopefully they covered all of my thoughts, which is pretty much that it's really dark and depressing. And I would never, never recommend anybody watch this if you're having a bad week. Because I was having a bad week whenever I sent this show and it just made my week worse. Because there's nothing more depressing than watching a beautiful pregnant woman throw her life away because she's addicted to drugs and also abusing ice cream. That was like 
that was like the show is dark and and it just it's it's just dark and then it gets darker and darker and then as i was researching the characters uh because they're throwing so much you know names at you and places at you and characters at you and this is and that's at you so i was on wikipedia a lot i was on the fan wiki site actually and yeah it just gets worse for, for pretty much everybody and so i don't think i'll ever watch this show I don't think I'll ever get into this show. This is definitely like, like last week I was like, Futurama is amazing and I want to watch every episode. This is the exact opposite of that feeling. Um, I will say though, uh, I was very intrigued by the uh, Gemma, the the actress. I think her name is Katie Sigal. I don't know. I don't, I don't don't know. Um, I was really impressed with the mom's acting. Because, you know, I've seen her in, like, goofy parts. And then I know her voice from, you know, obviously cartoons. I think she's the future in Futurama, I'm pretty sure. But um, I really was intrigued by her, like, her acting and how she was presenting her character and stuff. And I wanted to watch her more, even though, turns out, spoiler alert, she's a psycho. So, uh, yeah, the show was interesting. I also had fun sinning it in some ways. I was really proud of my Goldilocks sin, although... The work that went in to write that particular one was extensive. It took me a long time to write it, and it evolved from a joke about Louise um, being this uh, snarky person in the local society. I can't remember the name of the town, but it doesn't matter. Or she, like, stole people's books and recovered them for her own benefit uh, into what was in the actual um, Sins video. And I was also really proud of the joke combo that i did with aaron where it was like the game of thrones mashup the game of thrones angle was his and then like the show grossly underestimating underestimating my desire to like keep track of everything we kind of uh worked those two out into one pretty good joke and i don't know i had a i had a um good time putting it together after the script was written but writing the script was a bummer because the show is a bummer so but I'm sure, like I said, the guys already covered all of that. It is interesting timing, though. Um, and this will kind of give you a little peek into uh, the fact that I have not actually been staying off of Discord. <laughs> I've been lurking. <laughs> um, this show is interesting uh, that we're talking about it um, this week. Because this week um, is actually National Suicide Prevention Week. And I learned that this is the case from Jake who is also known as Mr. Collect It on Twitter. He's the guy that is a really great artist and he does um, cool artists. He's the reason I have that cool like uh, doodle doofus, I think is what it's called. I I hope I got that right, Jake. Um, Anyhow, he made a very vulnerable and beautiful post in Discord. Uh, Again, inviting you to our Discord channel, Behind the Sins Podcast. We have like a little... um, chat room inside of our discord and the community there is just fantastic uh jake made a really beautiful post um today which when i record this it's on sat on sunday and um he just talks about how important it is for us to all uh communicate um he said today is the first day of national suicide prevention week Mental and emotional health is an epidemic that has spread through society for many years now, and I fear is still only taken seriously in a couple social circles here and there. If you ever have need to talk to anyone, 
And I like to think that this group can be a good place to start, but please, oh, please seek help from friends, family, and professional therapists. Um, if I seem to be on a soapbox, well, I kind of am. And then he shares a personal detail of his life about how suicide has impacted him and then goes on to say, if you need immediate assistance, please call the suicide prevention hotline at 800-273-8255. And this is where uh, the show Sons of Anarchy kind of has a crossover because, um, super spoiler alert, there's a pretty, um, major, a character who commits suicide in this show. I don't know if there's multiple people who commit suicide, but I know that there's a pretty major one in the show's finale. Um, at least that's what I read. So I was just thinking about that as I'm recording this, that it's interesting that we're recording the, uh, it this week. And I also wanted to not only highlight what Jake said, but really just kind of come alongside that. All the comments that came after Jake's uh, message in the Discord was just a community filled with support and love and echoing exactly what he said, which is that, you know, if um, you're looking for someone to talk to, that there's a lot of people in the chat who are totally willing to be an ear for you. So you have a resource. So if there's ever a time that you feel like you need to talk to somebody and you want it to be part of the CinemaSins universe, you're totally welcome to do that. But at the same time, if you want to talk to anybody, the complete stranger, I actually know people who have called the suicide prevention hotline and had a beautiful conversation. They're still here today and they're working on their own mental health journeys. Um, again, the number is 800-273-8255. And if you need to join us or want to join us in the community, you're welcome to reach out. Um, so those are the things that were on my mind <laughs> as I decided to just quickly go ahead and grab my mic and record something for you guys and hope that you enjoy it. It's a little weird not having anybody to bounce off of and I hope it's not super uncomfortable to listen to and I hope you're not thinking, oh my gosh, I wish you would just shut up so that the podcast could be over because it's already going long because of you, Renee, because you can't stop and why are you talking like that? Why can't you talk normal? Well, that's just because I'm me. Okay, I'm going to try to wrap this up and say something really profound. And that is that I am choosing to believe that all the calories I consume on this vacation are just going to magically disappear and not count and not affect me at all. Because I've had a lot of cookies and chocolate in the last 48 hours and my vacation is not even close to being done yet. Is that really how I want to end my thoughts? I mean, maybe I can come up with something better. Let's see. Um, man, I don't know. Aaron, say something clever. You're not here. What would Aaron say if he was? He'd have a pun. He'd say something punny. He'd say, calories are only empty if you, um, man, I'm real bad at this. I think I should just say goodbye. See you next week. Okay, bye. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. <laughs> 